Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Ah, it's good to be back. Had a couple days off early in this week. As in Nebraska. Tell you all about it later. That's a long drive. <sighs> Let's get to the football, shall we? Uh, we're going to start with the NFL. NFL with a little local flavor, though. PK talking with Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston in a battle. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Here's Ross Jackson with PK. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL podcast, is joining us. And he's coming to us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the only solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Well, Ross, we want to know what you know about the quarterback situation because we have a vested interest up here in Utah. Taysom Hill is one of our guys. What is going on? Hey, brother. Good morning to you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's a very uh, interesting conversation going on down in uh, New Orleans when it comes down to this quarterback conversation and this competition between these two. And, you know, I'll, I'll start off with a quick tease for you. I think Taysom Hill's holding his own, and he's a little bit more in the conversation than, uh, than maybe some folks might have expected at this point in the offseason. Okay, so they've had one uh, practice game. They've only got three this year down from one as they increase the uh, amount of pre- uh, regular season games up one to 17. And, you know, we, we have a vested interest, as I say. And I was interested in what Sean Payton said that after the game, I think it was, that he's not making any quarterback comparisons now. And it was somewhat of an up-and-down performance by both quarterbacks, Hill and Jameis Winston. Why do you think Peyton said what he said? I think that the six turnovers in that game had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, two of them, or rather, yeah, two of them happening, or rather one of them actually happening after the, you know, Jameis and Taysom possessions. You had uh, three running back fumbles during their possessions, and you each had both of those quarterbacks throwing an interception. And, you know, in each case, I think you can give a little bit of blame to the quarterbacks. You can give a little bit of blame to the receivers as well. It's a bit more of a shared responsibility on both of those interceptions. So for me, one of the reasons why Sean Payton might say, look, I'm not making these comparisons immediately after the game is because, first of all, he was steaming after that game with six turnovers. And then the other part of it is that it's tough to sort of have that initial response to it without being able to go back and look at the tape and try to you know mitigate and even the playing field as best as you can between these two guys and then make comparisons on the 12 throws that they threw throughout this game. I'll tell you that as I went through and rewatched the game, I thought that Jameis had the better performance, but I don't know that he did nearly enough to really distance himself from Taysom Hill. Every time that Jameis Winston has pulled a little bit ahead of Taysom, he has found his way back into the conversation with a great performance in camp, showing his additional abilities, which we don't get to see and didn't get to see in preseason, which are the design runs. He's a you know a little bit frantic as a scrambler, but the design runs and everything that he can do with the ball in his hands are undeniable. So there's always going to be that sort of looming over this comparison as well. Yeah, just judging from watching, it did seem like Winston had the edge on that. I don't know how much you put on one single preseason game as opposed to every day in practice. And then combined with what is ahead, because they still have a number of practices and the two preseason games to go before they even get into game week. With that in mind, how long do you think the competition will go before a quarterback is named? Sean Payton has said he wants to get at least the first two preseason games in and being able to evaluate then both of the preseason games as well as practice in camp. 
putting it all together and then doing, you know, their evaluation based upon that. Every day after training camp practices, these guys get handed a sheet of paper, uh, essentially a report card on their day that lets them know, here's what you did well, here's what we're going to be working on, here's what you need to improve, so on and so forth. And so some of the things that they'll notch there, of course, are the pretty common things that you would that you would think of for a quarterback was the accuracy, timing, anticipation, but also command of the huddle, ability in and out of the huddle, command of the line, making the right reads, field progression, sort of the more nuanced pieces of the quarterback position, composure under pressure, things like that. So I think that the idea is to get two of these preseason games in, get both of these guys opportunities against, you know, with, with first first team reps and with second and third team reps, and then get them there to where they're going up against guys that they don't see every day in other jerseys, and then be able to make an evaluation based upon that in time for them to utilize game three of the preseason the way that they would usually utilize game three of the preseason, which is a bit more of a dress rehearsal for week one. So we could have an idea of what this offense will look like and who the quarterback will be going into the third preseason game, though I would be willing to bet that Sean Payton won't publicly announce anything until game week for week one. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL podcast, joining us. I had to laugh when Taysom was first making his mark in the NFL because we saw him play here. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you saw that Texas game, either home and away for that matter, I was there down in Austin when covering the game for the station, and he hurdles the kid, and I think he ran for 200-plus yards when they played up in Provo. And, and so – Seeing people get excited because he had a four-yard run in the NFL, to me, was like, well, duh. This, if, you just, if you just had a raw athletic competition, Taysom Hill is going to be in the top half, if not the top 5%. He's an incredible athlete. But, you know, I admit... I question if he could be an NFL starting quarterback just because you're a phenomenal athlete. Tom Brady, as we know, is not winning any sprinting races, but nevertheless is a phenomenal quarterback. So with that in mind, he's had a number of opportunities to play at uh, you know a, a smaller level, obviously not as a full-timer. Uh, didn't play two years ago when Bridgewater went in when uh, Breeze got hurt, but then this past season Hill did play. Uh, is he viewed, or do you view him as an NFL quarterback who can lead a team to the playoffs? Because the Saints, they're about getting to the postseason, not and winning in the postseason, really, with Drew Brees. I mean, they have had a really good history. Is Hill that type of quarterback? Yeah, I would say that I view their perception of him, the organization's perception of him, as that quarterback. Otherwise, he wouldn't be as you know tight in this conversation as he is. And I think that one of the things that we don't do enough, whether it be, you know, in, in New Orleans media or even national media elsewhere, is give Taysom Hill credit for the fact that the player that he was in college and early on in the NFL was exactly that player who would run for 200 yards, had the big 40-yard scramble against the Atlanta Falcons, is running over linebackers, all of that. Now, all of a sudden, we're legitimately talking about him being in a true and earnest quarterback competition to be the starting quarterback for a, for an NFL franchise. That's a remarkable development and remarkable sort of growth that you've seen from him to be able to change his body, to be able to make adjustments to how he worked, back shoulder type work as opposed to working on front side muscles. Like everything that he has done over the course of this offseason and really over the course of the last couple of years has put him on this trajectory. That's a lot of hard work to be able to do that. We hear about players transitioning 
transitioning from wide receiver to DB or from uh, you know wide receiver to running back or running back to wide receiver. I mean, all of those transitions tend to be a little bit more casual than a transition from effectively being a team's second or third option at tight end to now being able to compete earnestly at the quarterback position. Do I think that Taysom Hill is somebody that can lead the New Orleans Saints to, a, to the playoffs? I do. I believe that Jameis Winston can as well. And it might not happen the first year. I don't think that it could ha- that it would happen the first year. But I do think that with Sean Payton, with this offense, with the coaching staff, with the weapons that they have, particularly if they can retain a healthy Michael Thomas going into 2022, then all of the pieces are there so that the Saints can do what they did with Drew Brees. Build a build essentially a car around a quarterback that can drive them that can drive that quarterback to wins, and then also be driven by the quarterback to wins, and that's going to be an important piece for how they continue to build out the rest of the roster around whichever quarterback they choose to move ahead with. Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL Pad podcast, joining us here on DJ and PK. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting that I don't know maybe it even works against. Taysom is if he is the starting quarterback, then he can't play all those other positions, which he adds value to the team. Obviously, Sean Payton put him in the position to succeed a number of different positions, and he did. Does that work against him, his ability and versatility to play these other positions? I think it can. I mean, the, the idea that the New Orleans Saints have always moved forward with when it comes to their offense is putting the 11 most talented players out on the field at the same, at the same time. That's their focus. And so that's one of the reasons why you're seeing guys like Ty Montgomery, who, you know, lined up at running back at the end of last season, now moving back over to wide receiver because they want to get him out on the field at the same time. They're getting players like Latavius Murray and, of course, Alvin Kamara. So I think that that does work against Taysom Hill a bit. And that is a bit of the perception that he has to be able to sort of persevere against and overcome in order to be able to take that starting quarterback position and really walk away with a win for both of these quarterbacks. Jameis Winston has to overcome the fact that Taysom Hill is adored by this organization and has been in the organization over time and just sort of deserves the opportunity in that sense. Taysom Hill has to overcome his own perception as being more than just a quarterback and, or I don't want to say just a quarterback, but doing more than just throw the ball, throw passes. He's a runner. He's a pass catcher. He's a blocker. He's all of these. He's a special teamer. He's a tackler. I mean, he's all of these incredible things just as an athlete. So they both have something massive to overcome when it comes to doing to what it takes to win this quarterback competition. Therefore, their performances need to leave no doubt. I didn't see either of them leave no doubt on Saturday. Hopefully, we'll see that up against Jacksonville. So, if Winston wins it, do they just use Taysom the way they used him with Drew Brees? It's an interesting conversation because he slimmed down quite a bit. Not, not a ton. I mean, we're talking about five or six pounds. But the work that he did maybe takes him out of maybe some of those special teams plays takes him out of some of those blocking assignments, perhaps. But you could still use him as a pass catcher. You could still use him as a runner. So his role might change and be a little bit different than what you saw during his time with Drew Brees. But I would imagine that he would go back to being that sort of offensive weapon, that Swiss Army knife, being able to use him in line as a true Y, but not really putting him in a ton of blocking assignments on linebackers or defensive linemen, maybe utilizing him more from the slot as well. The Saints are going to need the hands if they can find them at pass catcher without Michael Thomas and potentially without Deontay Harris. Taysom Hill could be a big-time you know, addition for you in that sense and help supplement some of that. So I, I would imagine that there would be some push to get him back on the field and keep him on the field at that capacity. 
you know, whether or not Taysom really wants to do that, if he believes that he can move on from the Saints after this year and get a starting quarterback opportunity elsewhere, then maybe that factors in. But at least what the Saints showed him last year when they had him come in and be the starter for those four games after Drew Brees is that they're willing to take him out of that role to use him as a backup quarterback and have him go in and still win games for the New Orleans Saints. So I would expect to see a push towards that with an understanding that he would still be the guy that they would turn to if they needed to replace a quarterback for multiple games again. Sean Payton is really known as a great offensive mind. Do you think that the Saints feel like, hey, no matter what, we've got two guys that are capable, and with Sean Payton's ability to put them in a position to succeed, we can be okay? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I think that this organization trusts Sean Payton uh, extremely well, and I think for, for good reason. I mean, you've had a few losing seasons with Sean Payton, but you're now you know, four-time back-to-back NFC South champions, division champions, four-time back-to-back playoff, uh, you know, uh, opponents and and contenders. And and I think that that was with a Drew Brees that the New Orleans Saints were sort of reshaping their offensive attack around during that time. And so you've seen now Sean Payton over the last couple of years win with Drew Brees of old, Drew Brees of recent, uh, Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater all under center. And so I think that with all of that, you look at Sean Payton's ability to be able to scheme, particularly be able to scheme wide receivers, his ability to be so successful on a scripted first 15, and his ability to be able to close out halves with a score. And then the defense's ability over the past few years to be very stout, particularly in the second half. So if you're able to build that momentum, because Sean Payton is so good at scheming up those two-minute drills at the end of halves, be able to build that momentum on the offensive side at the end of a half and then shut down a team's opposing offense on the defensive side, which remains to be seen in 2021 because this defense took a lot of losses, then I think that there's enough around these quarterbacks to believe that either one of them could be successful in Sean Payton's system and as a company by Dennis Allen's defense. So we know Payton is a great offensive mind, and he likes Jimmy Buffett, so we know he's way cool too, don't we? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. I've always said that, actually. I've always said that. (laughs) All right. Well, Ross, we appreciate your insight, and we'll look forward and see what happens in New Orleans. Will Taysom Hill win that job? Thanks for joining us. Hey, absolutely. Uh, Big-time pleasure, PK. Appreciate you having me on. Y'all take care. Stay safe. There's Ross Jackson with PK on the quarterback battle in New Orleans. And come back, PK and I, with Utes tight end, Brant Keithy. And we'll hear from the Cougars coming up in the segment after that. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Utah's got a lot of question marks on offense. They got two guys battling for the starting quarterback job, a bunch of running backs battling, and wide receivers transferring in and out. But they're good at tight end. That's the one thing we really know. They are good at tight end. Brant Keithy, who figures to be the best of the tight ends, although they got more than one good one. Here's Brant Keithy with PK and I. How different is it this year, the way you guys have moved through quarterbacks? I mean, you played five games last year, you used yeah. three different quarterbacks, and now you got to 
transfer who could be the guy, maybe Cam will, but you only got 14 snaps with him. Yeah. How much does that matter as you work with all these different quarterbacks? Uh, I don't think it really matters much. Uh, we're just all getting work, and quarterbacks can rotate through groups each day. So we get you get work, and especially for the summer, um, we, we get a tremendous amount of work day in, day out. We're throwing about five, six days a week. So, I mean, there's that little crumbery in getting, like, infused together as a team. But um, I wouldn't say it's really any different. I mean, Cam has been here for a little bit longer. He knows the offense, and it kind of clicks better for him. But Charlie's doing a great job, and I'm just excited for the competition. Okay, so you've been here too, so you have a relationship with Rising. You're developing one with Brewer, but you got a couple other guys that are transfers at, at the receiver. Uh, how about their development? Do you think that that is something that is a work in progress and, and maybe needs a little more time than somebody like you who's been in the program for a while? Uh, I would say yes and no. Um, development, development, maybe not. Um, it's just getting used to this offense, getting used to this team. A lot of guys come from different programs. It's a different perspective on a lot of different things. But um, I think with this fall camp, it's definitely going to help them mold into the players that they want to be. And uh, a, a lot of the transfers are looking good right now. I'm just excited for week three and week four in fall camp. So do you see that a lot when you're watching film early on? Guys have their way of doing things based on whatever they were taught at their last college or their high school. And when you watch on film, you're like, yeah, I'm in my third year. That's not <laughs> that's not how this staff wants it. Uh, I would say at the beginning, yes, uh, especially when during the summer when we were just running routes and kind of doing our own thing. Uh, yeah, but as, as soon as we get out there and all the coaches out there and we're, we kind of get a sense of uh, this is how things should be ran, it's getting a lot better each day and each day and out. It's getting a lot more crisp and uh, I can see those guys kind of having it clicking in their brain that this is how it should be ran. So as far as the program goes, all the tight ends, or at least top three, are veterans in the program and veterans under Andy Ludwig's offense. you think that maybe that could help you guys as far as the tight end position to really be effective? Uh, for sure. I would say... From year one, uh, we were effective, but uh, it, it, it is our fourth year in, and uh, getting all those guys back and the uh, the connection that we have is is different than anybody else in the country. And I, I do truly believe that our tight end group is probably the best, if not the best, tight end uh, group in the country. And it's just great because um, we can kind of do it all. We can run block, we can pass block, and we can run routes. So and. On some, some some occasions, we can run the ball also, but um, I think that gives us a huge different different dimension in any, anywhere else in the country is that we can kind of do anything and no one else can. You took that. You took my next question away. I thought you were going to leave out running the ball. <laughs> how, how big a rush is that when you? Because on a pass play, maybe you have an idea you're getting the ball, but on a run, you know you're getting the ball. How different is that for you? Uh, it's a little bit different. It's kind of just thinking all the things, but it kind of just my mind goes blank, and this is what I have to do. And as soon as I get the ball, I just have to see what happens, see downfield. So you had a breakout season a couple years ago. Last year was hmm, haywire for everybody. But the point being is you got on the radar a little bit. You might have had an opportunity to do something else, but you chose to, to stay here and, and continue. What went into that decision-making? Uh, for sure, it's just we've been to Pac-12 twice, and South Champs is really not enough. Uh, both years, it's kind of came up short, and last year going three and two, it's just didn't. It kind of left a bad taste in our mouths at the end of the year, and especially that last game. Just we just didn't play how we really wanted to, and just uh, it kind of came up and talked to some of the guys, and just uh, 
our main focus is going to Pac-12 Championship, and after that, they can just take care of the rest, but uh, that's our main goal right now is Pac-12 Championship. So when Kyle Whittingham says there's a lot of similarities between this team and the 2019 team, as far as talent, leadership, number of guys he thinks will either be drafted or at least go to camps as free agents in the NFL, do you see all of that? For sure, yeah. We have a tremendous amount of talent, especially our transfers coming in, and uh, I think with both of these quarterbacks, we can we can definitely do something this year, most definitely. And especially with the talent we have at the tight end position, receivers, O-line, we have a lot of people coming back, and we do have a lot of young faces, but um, I think a lot of the young guys are going to have to step up and help, and I think they're going to be able to do that. What specifically do you think you need to work on? I would say definitely my uh, my blocking just my blocking hasn't gotten to where I needed to get in the past couple of years, and also I just got to crisp up everything in my route running and kind of this, the coverage disguises and all that stuff. Just learning the ins and outs of the game. So when you say quarterbacks, plural, you just complimented both of them there. Some of that has to be being politically correct with the media, but some of that you might also actually believe. Two years ago, I think there was a sense, we've got to keep Tyler Huntley healthy. And you still want to keep your starter healthy, whoever it is, but do you have the feeling that if you have to go to a second quarterback, there won't be much of a drop-off? I don't think there's going to be a drop-off if any, because uh, both these guys are looking great. They both can run the ball. They both can sling it. Not afraid to throw it. And uh, I think this year, if we do pass more, it's it's going to be a hell of a game each year. Yeah. <laughs> Since you're you're out there, you're you're sort of a marked man now. You can't really catch anybody by surprise like you may have done a couple mm-hmm. years ago. How much do you need to be aware that you're going to be a focal point going, particularly in conference games, mm-hmm. obviously, that people are, are going to be defending, game planning to defend you? You know, I mean, just like last year, uh, probably every other play I was getting double covered and that just leaves an opportunity for someone else to get open so I, I'm not going to really complain much about that and it's kind of honestly a compliment if some guy, if some teams are going to put two on me it's, it's going to be fine but once they put one on one coverage I, I'm not sure anybody else can cover me in, in this league. Yeah but you want stats don't you? Yeah I do but uh, <laughs> I also do want to win so I'm okay with giving up some stats to win. Well, I mean, just to be perfectly blunt, NFL scouts, if they see you getting doubled all the time, they know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, that looks good on tape, too. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely say that's just the ultimate focus is going to the Pac-12 championship and winning game, each game, one game at a time. You anticipated moving and being slotted at different spots in the field because that's what you have been. Yeah, um, I would say I'm going to do it all. I'm not going to really give away anything that we're going to do, but um, I would say I'm going to be moving everywhere. Uh, you guess, I'll probably be there, too. It's just... I'm kind of that guy that moves around, and I don't like being stagnant in one position, so I would expect him to be moving around a lot this year. There's Brent Keithy with PK and I. When we come back, we go to Provo for BYU camp. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to check in with the Cougars at their camp in Provo two and a half weeks before the season opener. We start with running back Miles Davis. Hey, Miles, I was just curious, um, what are the biggest adjustments from going um, from a wide receiver in high school to to kind of transitioning to running back in college? Uh, 
in high school, I feel like wide receivers, like, you know, kind of easy. You're really just running routes and catching the ball, trying to use your speed. And so in college, it's like, it's like a lot more learning, a lot more learning, like trying to learn the defense. So it's kind of been pretty difficult, but, you know, trying to get over those obstacles and just, yeah, <laughs> just keep pushing as a running back, trying to learn more stuff. At first, at running back is kind of easy, but then, you know, it's it's the, the defense you're trying to read. I feel like it's kind of hard, especially for me. Just as a follow-up, what about in terms of, like, uh, body type and kind of and getting stronger? Like, you know, how much have you had to change just, just your body to adjust to, to a different position where, you know, you're probably getting hit a lot more and yeah. kind of in the trenches a lot more? Yeah. So, yeah, you do got to you got to stay in the gym for sure. A lot, a lot more than like receiver. I feel like it's just, yeah, you working, you working out, but you're trying to stay like just like fit a little bit and, you know, conditioned. But I feel like as running back, you got to get a little bigger. Like I remember last year I got hit one time. It was my first time getting in the game as a running back and I got hit and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I for sure got to put some weight on. So, yeah, you got to for sure get a lot bigger as running back okay go ahead jay yeah miles they mentioned the other day how you had the great uh, scrimmage what what was your favorite play or maybe what kind of your favorite memory what stands out to you uh from that from that day uh my favorite my favorite memory from that day was you know when i scored and my team like all the older older guys just came over and like you know hyped me up and gave me like a little praise and so i was kind of happy for that and seeing my, all my other teammates happy and so yeah who are some of the other running backs that everyone knows about lopini and uh and algier who are some of the other guys that are kind of in the running back room that are moving up the depth chart like you that are yeah. kind of competing for that third spot. Uh, I feel like all the running backs is, uh, uh, you know, pretty good. And we're all trying to get, you know, to that next level. And so we all trying to just keep moving up all of us as a, as a group instead of just trying to get up as a thing. Oh, then for Mackenzie, I requested. Oh, now she's got it. What, what about Sione Finau? Has he been in there with you guys? Uh, Sione, Sione is a pretty good, you know, good running back. Uh, lately he has not been here, but I'm pretty sure when he does come back, he's going to for sure be a great running back. Okay, let's go Greg and then Trevor. Hey, Miles. Um, has Jamal or anyone else uh, talked about comparison athletes, like who you might be thinking about in making a transition from – from wide receiver to running back and, and I mean, just using Antonio Gibson as an example of an NFL guy doing something similar. Do you talk about or look at other guys who've tried to do it? Uh, well, nobody told me, but like one kid, one person I did look up to like that was a running back in college was Tariq Hill. Hmm. He was a running back in uh, college. And so I try to look up to him and, you know, just use his try to use how he he like felt probably I don't know how he felt exactly but like I'll be trying to think how how did he feel moving as a running back to a receiver especially going to the NFL which is a big difference and so that's how I try to think of it and and follow up to a different realm altogether when did you start becoming aware in your life of the other Miles Davis and how much did that become a thing in your life where people talked about him with your name and everything else 
Oh, me growing up, me growing up, that was like the thing. Everybody, all the teachers, like as my teachers growing up, they was, do you know Miles Davis? Miles Davis, do you play instruments? Like, so me growing up, that was like a big thing. And it still is to this day as a big thing. You don't mind it then? No, I love it. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Hey, Trevor, go ahead. Hey, Miles, so you mentioned that you've been working with Jamal Willis training throughout the offseason. What are some of the skills or fundamentals that he's been having you work on to become a better running back? Um, my hips. He, he has me working on my hips. And then, of course, my jump cuts, jump cuts and just getting around the corner type of thing. OK, let's go, Sean, and then Matt. Miles, I had one question in mind, but I got to follow up to what you just uh, answered to Greg there about your name. You didn't, you didn't answer the question that your that your teachers ask you. Do you play any any instruments? Are you a secret saxophone player or anything like that? No, no, sir, I am not. <laughs> okay. Well, well, more importantly, you're a really good running back. Thank um, you. Even if you were a wide receiver all through high school, uh, what was kind of the value of last year just in being able to to sort of shift, I guess, your mindset a little bit from coming in being like the speedster guy and not necessarily having a position to kind of making the run into into a full-time running back. Was, was there a lot of value last year in, in kind of making that move? Um, yeah, it was a lot of value. I feel like me, me transitioning to a running back, it was like, it was pretty fun. Like running back is awesome. Like that's a fun position. So I love running back. <laughs> Miles, what has Coach Unga told you guys um, about the plan rotation and what it will take for you to get more snaps in games? Uh, I feel like we just all have to do our part in the game, just all do our parts. Um, the rotation will come however it comes. It's just We got to just do our job and make sure we, you know, be able to – he can be able to trust us. Okay, we're going to go Jake and then Alex and then Dick and then we'll be done. Miles, I've got to ask the question, who is the fastest running back of the group? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. We haven't raced. Nobody raced in the group, so I'm not sure on that. Would you consider at, right, at, right now, I would say it would be Tyler. Oh, really? Oh, you, but would Tyler you, got some speed. Tyler has some speed. Would you put yourself in the mix, though? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't never got to really use my speed like that. So, you know, I'm not sure. Thank you. Um, Miles, um, how much, what are the biggest impacts that Tyler and Lopini have, have made on you and some of the best advice that they've given you so far? Oh yeah. Those two guys I look up to, I look up to those guys. They, they help me a lot actually. Like whenever I need, like if I don't know a play, like I'll go to them or if, if I did something like wrong, I'll go to them and ask them. So I feel like those two, those two older guys, they like help out the whole running back group, not just me. I feel like they help out the whole running back group. Hey Dick, go ahead. Yeah, Miles, uh, could you take us through um, what the zone blocking um, scheme is like for a running back to learn uh, kind of what uh, challenges there are for you to, to get yourself in a position to challenge for a playing time when you have to learn certain things? What are those things that you take us through those? 
the so the zone blocks it's it's I feel like it's kind of you know hard at at the beginning because you don't know like which one you have to get like especially as a running back you have to scan the whole field just like a quarterback would and so I feel like just reading the whole defense I feel like you have to read the whole defense and figure everything out there's BYU running back Miles Davis. Now, here's the defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki. How confident are you in, in this defense's ability to, to to stop the run and play at a high level right away with the, the difficult schedule you guys have out of the gates? Uh, pretty confident. What are some of the, the players in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the box that will be some of those key players that will be critical to having success against the run yeah you know that's that's uh i mean it's a good question it's it's a hard question for us to always answer every year just because it's i mean obviously um if you can come away with uh you know with pretty stout defense in the run then then you feel good about it but um you know we don't we don't lose too many guys at least with experience we did lose a lot of guys to to the nfl the with the front guys that you ended up leaving um I feel good about having Batty back. He's playing at a high level right now. But nice Samahi coming back. Um, Caden Hawes coming back for second years. Really, really come on. Earl, uh, Mariner, um, you know, Gabe Summers are all guys with, with a lot of experience. And then um, Lorenzo uh, Faltel, a lot of guys with experience on the inside. And then, um, you know, Uriah Leotawa coming back. We're a little bit younger at the, at the DN spot, but. You know, having having guys that have really showed up in a good way, like Pepe Tanuwasa and um, you know Blake Mangelson's another name. So we feel feel good about the personnel. We've got a lot of good bodies in there. Um, you know, I think I think they're understanding the scheme and and uh, you know tr- playing a little bit better. We're we're playing against what I think is a really really good O line uh, day in day out, and so um, it's making our young guys grow up grow up fast, which we need. But uh, overall, just as a front, uh, feel feel pretty good about us. It's just uh, it's hard to tell with guys that don't have experience. We have a lot of young guys at the edges that don't have a lot of experience. A lot of headlines have been given to the quarterback position battle, but on defense, uh, what's maybe the most heated battle that you want to see maybe resolved over the next week? You know, we've talked about um, uh, seeing – Seeing some of those guys that are going to be contributors at the safety spot, you know, safe, uh, free safety, strong safety. We've got a lot of guys that are rotating through there. You know, obviously having Chaz and Malik come back with a little bit of experience has been huge for us. But um, Hayden Livingston, who's had who's had a game experience, uh, Jared Capici. We've got other guys that are are starting to really do a good job. Um, you know, Mitch. Can't see the other one, but Criddle's playing. I mean, George Udo's coming off an injury, and we're kind of playing it slow with him. But we anticipate that he's going to be a, a big contributor for us this year too. Once we confident that he's uh, he's 100 percent going. Uh, going back to the scrimmage Saturday, uh, we weren't able to talk to you. We talked to, a little bit to Ed Lamb. But what was your overall assessment of how your defense looked? Uh, I know you held some guys out, but to kind of were you happy going away from that scrimmage yeah happy happy with uh being able to see a lot of the young guys 
uh, get reps. Um, you know, there were some question marks on some guys as far as just their ability to tackle in a game situation. And um, thought that those guys who we had question marks on um, showed up in a good way. And we've got to continue, um, you know, in the direction that we're going with those guys where they can continue to be consistent. And next time they have an opportunity to tackle and show in a game situation that they can they can do the same thing. And so, uh, yeah, uh, certainly happy with, with uh, the way that things went. Now, obviously, there's always things to improve and, and things to tighten up and uh, starting to see the depth really develop now with that first scrimmage, at least. And just follow up, uh, a lot's made of Preston Hadley moving over and helping you with the defensive ends. You just said you're young there. Through 10 days of camp or whatever, are you fairly uh, satisfied with the progress the young defensive ends have made, like Tyler Batty and you mentioned uh, Pepe and some of the others? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we've uh, we've got a lot of good bodies um, of guys that that uh, we're gonna we're gonna depend on to play, <clears throat> guys that need to play. And Coach Hadley's done a really good job, just taking pride in in understanding, um, learning, um, putting in the extra time that it takes to uh, to develop those guys. And I think he's doing a really good job. Thanks. Any other questions for? Coach Tibiaki, uh, Mitch, go ahead. Hey, Coach, uh, just one more here from from uh, who are some of the, from me. Uh, who are some of the guys behind uh, at, at linebacker? You, you know, we know about Tuli, Peely, um, and Wilgar, but who are some of the other guys that are uh, you know contending to round out maybe that depth chart in the in a busy locker or linebacker room? Uh, yeah, besides those three that you mentioned, um, you know Ben Bywater had a really good scrimmage. You know Josh Wilson is, is uh, Josh Wilson and Drew have played in games and are dependable, and we're starting to see uh, Morgan Piper also come up as somebody that's going to contribute. So I think those guys, those uh, uh, four additional guys, I don't know if I'm missing anybody else, are are the guys that uh, really stuck out in a good way in the scrimmage. Alex, go ahead. Coach, you mentioned um, that there's some, you know, there's some youth on, on this defensive squad, and I'm kind of curious, like, you know, when when you're trying to bring along some of the young guys, um, they kind of integrate them with with who's returning. Um, depending on skill set and personnel, how much do you uh, tweak a defensive um, philosophy or defensive uh, play calls, if you will, to kind of just fit the fact that you're you're adjusting to to guys developing in real time. Yeah, I think I think uh, the more veteran your group becomes, the more you can carry. Um, you know, when you have younger guys and you feel like you've got the right personnel on the field, then it's really just about making sure that we can eliminate mistakes and play fast. Um, and so it does does take a little bit off of uh, what you'd normally call or probably probably scheme, just for the sake of being sound. Um, but uh, you know, I, th- I think our young kids are doing a good job picking things up. We've thrown a lot at them in the last, or at least in, you know, in, in this fall camp. Um, they've had to pick up a lot, and we installed a lot faster this year than we have in the past. And uh, you know, obviously, it comes comes with its uh, with all its uh, mistakes and everything. But I think that uh, you know, after a couple of weeks, it's 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 been good. They're starting to they're starting to get it. Just as a follow up um, to something you just said, um, why have you installed things uh, quicker than in the past? Uh, we do have a core of of guys that have played. You know, and that's and that's uh, and so those guys all get it, and so we're putting a lot on those guys to teach the younger guys, 
Um, you know, and so it's, it puts a lot on the younger guys to, to try to understand and play all these multiple things that we're doing. And then once we start to, uh, you know, pull out some schemes and just kind of focus a little bit more on, on our first opponent, then they'll be, they'll be less required of them. And you normally start to see them clean up with their assignments and, and techniques and all that stuff. So just uh, overload, them, overload them early and then start to pull back as we get closer to games. Your last question, Sean. Yeah, I, I want to. You touched on uh, Coach Hadley a little bit moving up to the defensive front with you working with the defensive ends and the hybrids and whatnot. What is it about having a guy specifically over defensive ends like that, and a guy like that who knows kind of the back end of the of the defense, the you know the safeties and the DBs and such? What is it about having a guy like that over defensive ends that I guess kind of makes your job a little bit easier? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously just with his experience, um, his experience in the back end, he's able to teach the, the game holistically to the front. And, you know, um, really the the front guys are, they're, they're their own animal. They, you, you spend all your time teaching them back end stuff. And sometimes they just, they don't care. They don't, they, there's so much to know at D-line. And so really just having an extra guy, having, having Coach Hadley with me, having somebody who can focus on the techniques, the techniques and assignments of the ends, um, you know, it's, you've got a room. For us, we've got a room of, of, you know, 22, 23 guys. That's a lot for one coach to handle, especially if you're, if you're coordinating a defense and, and uh, kind of doing that stuff. And so I've got a lot of help with Coach Hadley, and he's done a really good job with it. Um, you know, having Coach Lamb and, and Coach uh, Clune too, just as guys that have been coordinators as well as a head coach. I mean, there's, there, we've got a lot of experience in our room, and then obviously always leaning on Kalani and, and uh, his, his experience as a coordinator is huge for us too. We've got a lot, a lot of help helping me. There's the defensive coordinator, Eliza Tuiaki. Now here's the head coach, Kalani Sataki. Yeah, it was good practice. Um, obviously things to keep working on. I think you can probably just copy and paste the other times we've done media. So I, I think it's, it's really good. We're starting to see some of our travel squad guys start to separate themselves and, and know the guys that we can probably seek a little bit more reps into now that we've had pretty much uh, most of our install, if not all. So I know uh, offensively we've got a few things to add, but defensively we've got pretty much the whole install in. Now it's just a matter of um, – cleaning it up and being uh, assignment sound and, and making sure that we're executing with the right technique. All right, let's go Alex and then Mitch. Coach, I'm um, just curious on, on what you've seen from Miles Davis so far um, in camp and, you know, I guess not just in camp, but in kind of in the, in the time that you've had him in his transition from wide receiver in high school to, to running back now. Yeah, very athletic, um, tough kid, and he's he's elusive. He, he knows how to run with the ball in his hands, so he he's got the great instincts of, of a natural runner, uh, feeling pressure and knowing how to avoid it, and then um, no one really gets a clean shot on, on him. So I think in the scrimmage, uh, I think Arod had mentioned how well he did is because he's just a hard guy to tackle, and then you combine that with the willingness to learn. Um, I think the, he's got a, a, a tremendous amount of potential. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it works. Plus, he can catch the ball. So he has that ability to do it out of the backfield. And, and we'll, we'll see what else he can put together. But so far, we've been really, really happy with the progress that we've seen from him all the way from you know last year to now. Coach, 
Balani, you know, I'm curious what makes starting quarterback decisions so significant for your program, but really any college football program in, in your opinion, what, what makes these decisions so significant? For us, is to see if you're having a difficult time like we are, that means that you, uh, you've got a good group, you know. And so it's two things. Either you don't have a good group or you have a good group. And, and we feel like we have a lot of confidence in these three guys and, and then feel really comfortable with the guys that are, are behind them and the guys that we're seeing improve and get better. So I, I feel really good about the whole room. I know A-Rod does. Um, and, and it's just a matter of uh, the guy winning out the spot outright, you know, and, and as long as they keep – performing doing well uh, all three of them individually then then they're going to make it really hard for us but for the coaching staff we have to figure out the guys are going to have the most success and that's and uh that's what we're trying to figure out in the next few practices and just to follow up uh after having two more practices since since that for uh first scrimmage over the weekend uh which quarterback is showing that separation that maybe you guys wanted to see all three are showing great separation from the rest. I mean, that's, it's really close right now. So we'll have to, I mean, there's going to be some moments where we're going to have to make some decisions on, on, on how to, you know, function from here on out, but they're making it really difficult on us. And that's, that's a really good sign. Do you expect the decision to come after maybe this weekend after Saturday's practice? Uh, hard to forecast. I, I can't just, say it right now when, when we're going to have that done. I know it'll be done before the game, but uh, the, the sooner the better for all of us. Thanks, Kalani. All right, let's go, Jay, and then Jake. Kalani, how's the air conditions, the smoke affected uh, what you guys are doing? Did you have to go inside again today? I know the Fan Fest was canceled tonight. So uh, what's going on with the air conditions in your team? Yeah, we, we've had to go inside. We've had most of our practices indoors because of the air. Um, I just go off of what our uh, sports medicine department says. And if it's even questionable, we'll, we'll go inside. So I don't want these guys filling up their lungs with that smoke that's out there. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that have a lot of things to consider, whether it's asthma or other things that had to do, do with respiratory issues. So we, we want to be smart. And, um, you know, our first game is going to be indoors. So hopefully they get control of this, of the smoke and, and uh, we can get outside and get some some uh, some sunlight. We, we'd like to get that done. But until then, we're just going to keep operating by uh, following our, the leadership of our sports medicine department, which we have a lot of faith in. Kalani, you've had to rebuild this defensive line, or I guess essentially reload to replace the guys you lost from last year's team. How have they looked so far in camp? Yeah, really good. They've held their own. They're going against a, a really big physical line, and so uh, I think they've they've done some really. Good. I think it's helped them become better. That that's helped our, our team last year, and so um, you know because our line is not going to slow down for anybody, and so I think that especially with the ones. Uh, so I, I think it's kind of like, hey, here you are. Uh, try to try to defend it, and that's been really good good uh, learning experience for our players. But it's not like a lot of them are brand new to it. I, I want to remind everybody that there's a lot of guys that are playing on our D line that have game time experience and, and have ability. You know, so I know we lost some some production and some guys to the NFL, but we feel really good about the guys that are coming back and feel good about the, the size that we have and the amount of reps and, and experience that they have. So 
we'll just we'll just have to prove it on the field. Yeah, one guy I wanted to ask about in particular is Nisa Mahe. A really interesting story. Him playing in 2019, then misses the entire year last year. Can you kind of just lay out how he's done so far in camp, coming back from missing an entire season? Yeah, he's been really, really good. He's been a good person to fill the shoes of Kyrus Tonga. So, um, you know, I, I believe he and, and Caden Hall has done a great job that, that being that that big presence up front. And then also, um, you know, uh, Jacob Ball has done a great, great job there too, as well as Joshua Singh. So there's a lot of guys that can do that. And then there's some guys that, that are athletic, but not as big and not as uh, – not as stout as those guys like Earl Mariner and, um, you know, others that we have in the mix, um, Gabe Summers, others. We're going to be fine. I really feel good about the personnel. Uh, you know, just we just keep telling them that no one believes in them. And then uh, so they got to go out there and prove it. So hopefully, you know, they can get it done on September 4th. Okay, we're going to do last two questions, Jacob and then Greg. Yeah, Coach, uh, just looking at the uh, release of the AP uh, Top 25 poll coming out, a um, couple of your opponents listed in that list. Um, what's the reaction been from the guys in terms of motivating factor, you know, being left out on that list and, and also going into the first week against Arizona? Is it something that they're using to fuel or is it more of a, hey, we're just going to pay attention to week one? You know, I, I haven't even looked at it myself, so I, I... – I don't know if the guys are even focused on that. I don't think that's a focus that we're, we're they're trying to learn their plays and learn their technique. And, uh, you know, we, we have goals. And so, but that stuff doesn't, we're not, we're not that t- type of team where we have to worry about things like that. We're just going to try to perform at our best. That's, that's a, we're going to keep it simple for our guys to try to be at their best and see what happens. So uh, that other stuff doesn't really motivate these guys. Hey, Kalani, what kind of uh, camp has it been for the Nakua brothers? It's been good. We've, we've had um, – you know, I think Fessy's mentioned it before that we've, we've had to be really smart um, with with their progress, but I really believe they're going to have a huge presence on our on our offense. I mean, they, they already have a good presence with our, with our team and, and the camaraderie and the, the chemistry between uh, Puka and Samson and the rest of the team. It's it's, it's awesome. So I, I think they're they're loving guys that, that know how to connect with people, and um, they're really good, great for our locker room. Uh, such uh, team first guys, and so. Um, really, really good to have them on our, on our, in our program. There's head coach Kalani Sataki. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. All three are showing great separation from the rest. I mean, it's, it's really close right now. So we'll have to, I mean, there's going to be some moments where we're going to have to make some decisions on, on, on how to, you know, function from here on out. But they're making it really difficult on us, and that's, that's a really good sign. Kalani Sataki talking about the quarterback race. Is that all coach speak, PK, or is somebody who they really like perform poorly and somebody thought was third performed better and now they've got doubt? 
Jaron Hall's going to start, Baylor Romney's going to be number two, and Jacob Conover's going to be number three. That would indicate that nothing has changed because that's been the answer for months. But that does not mean that those three have not separated themselves because they have. And also, as you just said, that does not mean that it's close. And Romney's, he needs to be on top of his game. He's pushing Hall for sure. Conover's going to have his time. I just don't think it's going to be against Arizona. Uh, unless they have catastrophic injuries, uh, but he needs to be ready too because you never know. Obviously, <laughs> they might. So have, yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't even. I mean, not necessarily catastrophic, just a just hammy an, or an ankle or whatever. Right. And so uh, he needs to be ready, and his time definitely will come. There's no question about that. Um, so they wanted the competition to, to linger a little bit, and then I, I'm not sure if they want to play cat and mouse. With Arizona, I think Arizona's of the situation that they've got so many things that they need to worry about themselves that uh, not at the top of the list is who's going to start for the other guys. I suspect because of his background coaching the defense, Kalani's thinking, well, I got one quarterback who can definitely run it, and other guy's a little more of a pocket. Why let them straighten that out? Make them work on it all. Well, But you're right, Arizona's got plenty of The good thing from the Arizona perspective is that They've seen film of both of these kids. I mean, neither one of them are brand new. So they'll be prepared. They're under-talented this season, obviously, after having they've lost 12 in a row and a brand-new coach and all that stuff. So the, the good thing is that the, the Cougars have some strength to choose from rather than weakness. That's a positive. And the fact that if they do have an injury, they've got another guy to go to who's got some experience is positive. So. Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau, potential number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, has entered into a marketing deal with United Airlines, which will provide special direct flights from Eugene, Oregon, to select Ducks away games this season. The program will begin with multiple direct flights from Eugene to Columbus, Ohio, starting on September 9th, because they are playing Ohio State on September 11th. I imagine they could fill up a bunch of those planes. Yeah, Thibodeau's going to get a ton of money from Phil Knight anyway, so he's more to... Buy ice cream cones, I guess. <laughs> How much is this really going to work? I mean, what yes. Well, I mean, you're basically you're paying him to be an advertising spokesman. And how many people can do that? I mean, you have a whole team do it so you get the pub because everybody's eating these protein bars. Well, if the BYU team's eating them, maybe I should try to eat one too. So I, I get that. I just wonder how far this goes. I mean, how many different things. And it's new now, but it's not going to be new in three or four years. Well, the business world and yeah. did, but we did, reinvents itself. But let me let me correct you. At BYU, there's a million businesses that haven't been invented yet. Nah, that, <laughs> thank you. And there's a million young Latter-day Saints. Entrepreneurs are grinding in those 90 minutes in between their kids' really games. Really want to do this. This is what they were born to do. I was born to run. They were born to be entrepreneurs. Thank you, Bruce. So, with that in mind, there's so much more to come that we don't even know. So, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely endless. I, and, and I do think that it's probably more valuable for the startup who's got to get their name out there. If they got cash, though, yeah. it doesn't come for free. No, it doesn't. Yeah, they got the cash from the neighborhood. Hit up the ward, hit up the neighbors, hit up the coworkers, hit up the friends. Coworkers? What are these? If you get five of your friends. <laughs> oh, we're doing the multi level thing now? Yeah. Oh, I see where you guys, you're always thinking like that. The Nevada Wolfpack have moved their training camp to Stanford. Air quality issues in Reno 
Due to all the wildfires in California, we're seeing plenty of smoke here. Kalani just talked about moving his practices indoors. The Wolfpack are going to Stanford for the rest of the week and plan to have a scrimmage before returning to campus this weekend. So it's an issue here. It's an even bigger issue there, it looks like. They don't have an indoor place? Nevada does not have an indoor facility. And none of the area facilities can accommodate them. Are you going to ballroom in a casino? (laughs) It's an idea. Tennis shoes on, carbon right? Get your running shoes on. Big 12 Conference announced on Tuesday an updated policy. If you don't have enough players to compete due to COVID-19 for any reason, you'll be charged with a forfeit. Pac-12 already decided that, and the Big 12 following in their footsteps. South Carolina added graduate assistant coach Zeb Nolan to their active roster this weekend to solidify their, wait for it, quarterback room. Nolan had transferred to South Carolina with eligibility remaining after serving as Trey Lance's backup at North Dakota State, but he's been activated due to starting quarterback Luke Doty suffering an ankle sprain that has him questionable play in the season over against Eastern Illinois September 4th. PK, we got a little whiff of this at BYU a few years ago in spring ball. They didn't. Christian Stewart. Yeah, they didn't have a quarterback with eligibility in spring ball. So that quarterback room sucked. (laughs) I got to say, man, these last couple days, the DJ and PK room, we were light. I didn't feel the room was where it needed to be. Well, I'm back. And I'm not light. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Seattle Seahawks All-Pro Safety Jamal Adams agrees to a four-year extension worth $72 million, making him the highest-paid safety in the NFL. Adams said his mom, Michelle, sent him a text that helped push the deal across the finish line, telling reporters, she said my full name. And when my mother says my full name, I think I need to pay attention. She gave me a nice little paragraph, basically just told me you don't have to prove anything to anybody else. You did enough. We're happy. As long as my family's happy and I'm happy, I can come and do what I love to do. It's all that matters to me. Would your mom have sent you a text if you had a $72 million offer on the deal on the table and she found out you hadn't agreed to it? No. She'd punch me in the groin. <laughs> and another thing. And then when I wow. doubled over and could be at eye level. The knee would have come up to the bridge of the nose? Yes. Take the money. That's a lot of money. What are you doing? So the Seahawks have their safety. They traded for him, got him from the Jets, and now they got him signed for four years. Niners released former 10th overall pick Josh Rosen, marking his fourth team he's been with since he was drafted by the Cardinals in the first round of the 2018 NFL Draft. A cautionary tale for players coming out early, PK. Yeah, no matter how you high better. No matter how high you're drafted, it may not last. Well, that's you why, get that's that why high, you need to. Get the rookie money. Before they discover you aren't any good at the NFL level. That, that's that's not a ca- that's a cautionary tale, but not for the way you, you think or you're infer- inferring that it is. You may not be ready, but it may be your only chance at the money. Choose wisely. Tim Tebow's tight end experiment is over after the veteran was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. These releases are just cutting down to 85 players, so... I assume that these are the easy decisions, and it will get much tougher. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Jazz are going to play on Christmas. 8.30 Christmas night, ESPN, the fifth game in the quintuple header. It will face the Dallas Mavericks. Nobody knows what quintuple means. Just That's why I said it's neighbor. the fifth game. Speak na- basic English. Jeez. 
That will lead us to the question of the day shortly. What does this mean for the Jazz going forward as far as respect and how good do people expect him to be? What does it say about your team? You guys have so much confidence, man. That confidence is really just going to lead to success, isn't it? The Utah Jazz wrapped up play in the NBA's Las Vegas Summer League with a 103-98 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. Jarrell Martin led the Jazz with 23 points and 12 rebounds. Several of the names you've become familiar with if you've been following Summer League did not play. They did not. No Azubuike. Lower back soreness. Yeah. And uh, we promised the agents that these other guys would get some time to show their stuff, so let's get them in right here. Forrest didn't play. I don't yeah. think Brantley played. Right. Uh, load management. Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, we'll get to them in just a second. Okay. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Now I feel better. The Minnesota Timberwolves reportedly have acquired Patrick Beverly from the Memphis Grizzlies just after, just days after he was dealt to Memphis by the Clippers. Minnesota sitting guard Jarrett Culver. Port Wancho. Hernan Gomez to Memphis in the trade. Too many point guards, too many young guys they want to play, not that many minutes, PK. Or they really wanted Jared Culver. No, they need they needed salary dumps. They had too many guys under contract. You talking about Memphis? Yeah, their 15-guy limit. It's a financial move. Think Culver can play, or is he just another high Minnesota I, Timberwolves play, player that's going to bust? Sixth pick in the draft. Like in 2019. I, I, I'm not watching Minnesota basketball. I'm not your guy there. The other Christmas Day games in the NBA will feature Hawks, Knicks, Celtics, Bucks, Warriors, Suns, and of course the Nets and the Lakers. Guess who gets the marquee time slot? Any of those games do it for you? You're going to be watching the NFL that day. We're going to have a lot of sports that day. Falls on a Saturday, and the NFL's got two games that day. Plus the NBA with five. Yeah, I want to. I want, I'll watch them all. What am I going to do? Sit there and talk to family? <laughs> uh, it's just my wife and I anyway. So, uh, yeah, we'll watch. Absolutely. Kings won the Las Vegas Summer League title, beating Boston 100-67. Another championship for Sacramento. Game. Yep. Mm-hmm. They can hang a banner with that one they got from Rochester back in 1950-whatever. They had That's their second Summer League yeah, title. Second, yeah, don't, don't discount them. I mean, I saw someone, uh, I think it was Luke Walton, kissing the trophy. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Oakland East pitcher Chris Bassett carted off the field after being hit in the head by a line drive in the second inning of the game against the White Sox. PK, it's, we see this periodically, and it just seems like they're flirting with something even worse than this. Death? Yes. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just say it? <laughs> well, because there are other things that are also, you know. Well, I know, but that's what you meant. Death is bad. <laughs> that's what you meant. Permanent it, brain man. injury is bad. But you meant death. I meant them all. But I did mean death. Yeah, I think they should have some type of cushion. I've been saying that for years. Seems like a good idea. Cubs' 12-game ga- 12 12 losing streak is over. They're just going to limp to the finish line after trading everybody. They beat the Reds 2-1. Uh, to one. The Giants can do no wrong. They beat the Mets 3-2. to two. Dodgers keep pace with a 4-3 win over the Pirates. So yesterday, get home a little after 11, 
Flick on MLB Network. And they got the Yankees and Red Sox. Austin playing a doubleheader, so yeah. That's part of the story. Uh, So I'm thinking, okay, I'll watch you for a couple innings, go to the gym, (laughs) come back, so I can be ready for Summer League at 1.30. I did not know those guys weren't going to play. So find out as a bouquet, and he was number one, who I want to watch, that he wasn't going to play. So I, I was sort of lost interest a little bit in that summer league game since the, the main guys I wanted to see weren't there. And I go back to the Boston-Yankee game, right? It's the top of the seven. The Yankees are up two. And Red Sox load the bases with no outs. And then they get a fly ball to left and K. And then they bring up Renthrow and Costas and Verducci. They're going nuts. The crowd's going nuts. Renthrow strikes out. And I'm wondering, as he's leading up to that strikeout, the last at bat, I'm thinking, man, this is the seventh inning. Why is everybody going so berserk? <laughs> I did not know they were playing a doubleheader. <laughs> so I did not know that that was the last inning. <laughs> All right. It's the end of their game. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's why. Because you can feel the tension. You know, last at, right. last at bat, bases loaded, Everybody's crowd standing. Man, and Yankees like, are really – the Yankees are doing well. They were like 10 games back a month ago, and now they lead Boston in the wild card. And that maybe an opportunity to catch Tampa really is not out of the question. And so I, I, I just laughed at myself. I would have helped if I would have known. It's a good thing I didn't flick back. I think, ah, it's just the seventh inning. You can go back over the summer. <laughs> I would have missed it. But I decided to stay with it because the Jazz guys weren't playing the ones that I wanted to watch. So I did not know they were playing doubleheader. And because of that, I did not know that it was only a seventh inning game. Yankees sweep the doubleheader. They have moved a uh, percentage point in front of the Red Sox. The Yankees, the Red Sox and the Oakland A's, it's close enough. We could end up with a play-in game to get to the wild card game. I know there's a long way to go. It's mid-August, but it's a three-way battle for those two spots right now. And the Mariners are four games back of them, and the Jays are four back. So well, you don't know if they'll get at two spots. Yeah. No, we don't know how this will play out. There's, there's obviously three for two spots, but really, with, there's enough time, it could be five for two spots. Uh, the Yankees, this was an awesome run by them to just wipe that Red Sox lead out. Bees had their game postponed last night due to rain. They're going to play the Reno Aces at Smith's Ballpark at 635. Get your tickets at slbees.com. Detroit Tigers TV analyst Jack Morris said he did not intend anything offensive on Tuesday night after using an accent when describing what the Tigers should do when pitching to Shohei Otani. That's uh, BYU's Jack Morris, isn't it? A long time ago, but yeah, yeah. The former Tigers ace turned TV analyst. So I guess that goes back to your theory of a guy's lifetime of, uh, you know, how's he carried himself? Is there anything like this in his past? Or he was talking off the cuff and he said the wrong thing, but it's a one-time I think he said four words in, in an obvious accent. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL and the Houston Dynamo tonight, third and final meeting. Houston is winless in like their last 12. It's been a long stretch. They haven't won since late May. So, they have had a bunch of ties mixed in there. So, RSL needs the three points at home. 
Before they go back out on the road again, so it's 8 o'clock tonight, Rio Tinto Stadium. RSL coming off a uh, shutout win over Austin. And if you're wondering why DJ didn't take more than two days off, now you know. To be back for that game. (laughs) Well, I'd pretty much seen the high spots in Omaha. I would have had to branch out and go to Lincoln. But I could have done it. Could have gone to see Memorial Stadium. Saw uh, Wyoming's field on the way over there. Stopped in Laramie, so took the business loop through the school. There it is. Okay. Home of the Cowboys. Way to go. And we're off. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, when we come back, we got the question of the day. What does it say? Christmas Day for the Jazz for the second time in three years. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, is coming up at 8 o'clock. Reno Mahe, former BYU star, former Philadelphia Eagle, coming up at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. So how much is it a sign of respect that the Jazz will play at home on Christmas night against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic? What does it say, PK? says to me, I'm furious. Because? Because the league thinks that the Lakers and the Nets are going to get to the finals. Mm. Or they've got the biggest stars that people love to hate, so they'll watch them. Not necessarily you root for the teams, but you'll watch and root against them. No, that's not it at all. No. They're going with the Vegas odds. Lakers and Nets are the favorites. Yeah. And that's the one curse about the NBA is that you can identify a handful of teams and the league is doing it. So why wouldn't everybody else do it? Everybody else has been doing it for years, decades even. But don't try to tell me there's 10, 11 teams and this is so exciting and the regular season matters, blah, blah, blah. And there you put, you would think that they would have a more regional situation. So you wouldn't have one team having to travel across the country. At least be around. Like when they put the Lakers and Clippers on uh, on the marquee game? Yeah. Because the Jazz are getting the last time slot. Which, along with the first time slot, probably isn't going to get as many viewers. They will here. And I don't care about viewers. I've, I've never cared about TV ratings. I like what I like. If you don't like it, good on you. You want to watch something else? But you know they're going with for the ratings with the Lakers and Nets, which is what's irritating you. I don't think it's about ratings, but I guess everything is about ratings. So I just think they're sending a message. These are the two teams that we believe that are going to be in the finals. I think and it's more these are the two teams that they think are the most watchable teams. I don't. I mean, with the Lakers, everybody's got questions about whether they're going to be healthy. If anything, that's the roll of the dice on Christmas. Will they be healthy at Christmas? 
Right. So then that proves my point that it can't be solely about ratings because of, hey, that's a roll of the dice. Thank you. <laughs> Very well said. I didn't even need to bring that up. Right. So it could be a total bust. And if they're in the finals, who cares what's on Christmas Day? Exactly. Yes, my point was made by a TV expert. They've avoided some teams that they know are going to have health issues. No Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers on Christmas Day. No Jamal Murray and the Nuggets on Christmas Day. Don't know if they completely trust Portland not to trade Damian Lillard. So... They took the next five. Those three are out, so the five they took are pretty obvious. I suppose they could have taken six from the East and four from take the West. Whatever you want. I mean, who cares? I mean, it's if I'm going to see uh, the Beatles, who cares who the warm-up acts are? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it does. It's like, does the SEC really care what Vanderbilt does? <laughs> No, they're worried about Alabama and getting them in. And if not them, then LSU. And if not them, you know the uh, the names, Georgia, whoever it might be. Georgia and Clemson, September 4th. Looking forward to that game. Couldn't care less who wins, but we'll be interested in watching it. Better than watching a money game. So I think that that's what they're doing. They're sending a strong message. And this is a league that... People think that you know, the refs orchestrated the league orchestrated. Oh well, they're up three zero. We don't want to sweep. No, I mean we we've heard that for twenty five thirty years. As long as I've been following the league, and I get it, they're in to make the most money as they should. Every business, that's what it's about. But I just think it sends a message, especially at that time slot. These are the two th- teams that we think, and for a league that you know the the rogue referee who fixed things and whatnot. It's a little bit of a sensitive thing. Maybe I'm meeting more into it, but that's me. You're the positive guy. Now give us the positivity. They complained a while ago about the Eastern teams. Today. <clears throat> the the league. Uh, the commissioner talked about we might have to do something with our TV partners to get the East Coast teams in the big markets on TV more because their ratings were slipping and they were blaming it on, this is like four years ago probably, three or four years ago, certainly pre-pandemic that the league's best teams were were playing in time slots where they couldn't see them. So you want to put Laker home games with LeBron on when people in the East Coast can watch. 8.30 at night here seems a little late, but 10.30 in the East is way late. And now that the Nets, who you know weren't anything then, but since have signed Durant, if they're going to go out West, they want to put them on when people can see them. Well, on a holiday... You, don't, you can't move games. Well, you can. You can move games on the West Coast early, but it's not going to look great because the arena is going to be empty because people are caught up in traffic and getting home from work and they can't get on the 10 and get to the arena. So Christmas is a chance to play an earlier game, not mess so much with the traffic. I mean, it's L.A., so there can always be traffic. And put it on an hour when people on the East Coast can see it. And, and Durant and LeBron, man, those guys have, those guys have been in a lot of finals. So I'm not surprised they want their biggest celebrities on. Whether they're the best team in the East and West, they're going to meet in the finals, or they're the second and third best, they're going to go out in early. I mean, you might be onto something. They are the Vegas odds makers' favorites. That's already been established. Something I think I'm dead on to something. But if they were third, (laughs) if they were going to the third best team, I think they'd still put them on there because those are two players people want to see, and that's how they promote it. Then why not put the Lakers? Why put why put 
all your eggs in the one basket then. If I really want to see those guys, put them in separate games because I really want to see them. You just told me I really want to see them. So why put them in a two-hour time spot as opposed to a four-hour time spot? Because I really want to see them. That doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm a TV guy. I got fired. They could have sent the Nets to the Warriors. I mean, they could have. And then they could have had the Nets and the Lakers in, in different games. Right. That, that, to me, that so. doubles it. If these are, I must see them, even though I see them a thousand times a year. Right. <laughs> but if the Nets take two trips and if uh, MLK Day is the day they go out and see the Warriors and they play at 6 o'clock then, that wouldn't surprise me. I have no idea. they got arena availability and all kinds of stuff I don't worry about. But I think they want those teams in those kinds of time slots. And that's are the favorite. That's they were the favorite last year, but they had injuries and they didn't get there. But tons of people were picking them. Tons. I think it's a good sign for the Jazz. Christmas Day. Coming off the best record when they need ten teams and you had the best record in the league, it seems like they're not going to pass on you. Yeah, and it's something the that odds are you are better do. than well, we'll throw Boston and New York in there, and probably uh, is Chicago on there. I don't know. Uh, they threw but, Boston and New York in, yeah. but the early early slots, which are going to be Eastern teams. I mean, there's a game at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. That's a that's a little on the early side to be hunkered down. You still might have Christmas stuff going on. I don't know. It's every Saturday and every Sunday. There's games <laughs> at 10 a.m. Saturday mornings? I watch football, college but, football? But not NBA. The NBA doesn't play at 10 a.m. very often. But it's Christmas Day, so they're wedging them in. And it's noon in the East, and they get some eyeballs. So they put the Knicks there, and they put the Celtics and the Bucks in the second game. And so they need a Western game at the end of the night. So not surprised. You've got two young stars who've both performed well in the playoffs. So have them match up. The good thing to me is for the Jazz perspective, if you earn it, you'll get what you want. They're forced to put the Jazz on there. Because they're good. And they're expected to be good this year. So even though there's a natural bias slanted and there's a reason why the two biggest stars, as you told me, where everybody wants to see them, one's in media market number one, and then what is the Los Angeles area? Two or three? Two. One and two. All right. So that's not just by coincidence. And you can even argue that the league, if you want, depending on how far you want to go in conspiracy, that the league orchestrated that too. How I'm not willing to go that far because I don't care enough. But people who don't like the league and whatever for whatever reasons, you can even carry that out that far if you so desire. For me, it doesn't matter because I don't get caught up in results. I get caught up in games and competition, and results don't change my life one way or the other. So it doesn't, and there's no sporting event that changes my life based on a team winning or losing. None, zero. It doesn't matter uh, to me. I'm caught up in the competition of it. That's where I'm attracted to. But for others, you could say, well, yeah, look at the the two best stars that everybody wants to see, as you say, are in the two biggest markets. All right, that's the way it is. And did the league orchestrate that? Did they have some influence? Well, we know they've had influence in other stuff. They wouldn't let Chris Paul go and, 
and some other things that you know have been rejected or whatnot. And the Patrick Ewing thing years ago on the lottery and the cold envelope. And yeah, there's I don't, a, there's I don't a buy lot any of that. There's but, a lot of NBA lifers who do yeah, though. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't. I mean, the Knicks didn't win anything, so what difference did it make? <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> two trips to the finals and two losses, exactly yeah. like the Jazz. Yeah. So the point, the good thing is for the Jazz from the Jazz perspective, which is the team I care about the most, is that if you do things right and set yourself up, you can get everything that everybody else can get. It may be harder, but it's sort of a metaphor for life. You know, I believe education is the way. And it may be harder for some than it is for others. But it's still the way. And you may have to work on it. It may not be fair. And if you, if you want fairness, go to the cancer ward in the children's area of the hospital. If you're looking for fairness. And you'll come away realizing fairness is a nice word, but what does it mean? Why am I sitting here at my age and have never had cancer and others have at five years old and three years old and whatever? So, I mean, if, once you introduce the word fairness, you got to take it all the way. And when you get there, you're going to find out, well, some things really aren't fair. So, it's a great metaphor. Do things the right way, work really hard, and you can get there. And the Jazz got there. They were forced to put the Jazz on Christmas Day because they deserve it. And they're doing things the right way, and they have an opportunity to win a title in 21-22. And it doesn't matter that they're in the second or third smallest market. I don't, I don't know market sizes. That's, that's your thing. To me, I actually don't know either. Uh, I know I know New Orleans and San Antonio are smaller. I know. You, uh, but how because many more? Uh, the way I phrase it, like you'd be a nerd to know, so of course you're going to run away from it. We Oklahoma understand. City, that'd be three. <laughs> you don't know and you just named them. But for me... There might be more, though. I'm still thinking. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, well, get back to us someday. <laughs> uh, the good thing about it is if you do what you're supposed to do, you can achieve everything, and they can't do anything about it. That's what's sweet about it. And someday, maybe this June, someday in this community, it's in community, it's going to be the sweetest because they don't want you to get it versus the Lakers and the Nets. They don't. They'd rather have that because it's about TV ratings, the almighty TV ratings. And that's what's going to make it sweeter the day you can get it. That's why if you're a hardcore jazz fan, you have my respect because everything's going against you. For all the talk of big markets, and some of it is real, I can't see the fire, but you obviously see the smoke. But at the same time, there's four teams in those big markets, and the Lakers win a lot. But the other three haven't won at all. Nets don't have an NBA title. I think they've been twice. Am I missing anything? I think they've been twice. The Clippers just got to a conference final for the first time. Yeah, but they don't care about them. I mean, they're and the it's, Knicks. It's the Knicks. And the Knicks the haven't been to the final for, a final since '99, and they've been to two in the and, same and time span. On Jazz Christmas Day every year. Oh yeah, because <laughs> people will watch. Yeah. Right. So the league's getting what it wants out of the Knicks. It can't blatantly go in and and assign them Zion Williamson or whomever. Uh, you know, they they can't. Uh, Make them take Donovan Mitchell when he's sitting there, a local kid. I don't know if you knew, but Donovan played basketball in New York City. I heard that. <laughs> Grew up in Connecticut, uh, or in some some New York. But they didn't take them. The league can't force them. And they took that uh, other dude, uh, Nitavilia, whatever you say his name. And I think they've already uh, renounced his rights. And we're out. Right. And they took him before the Jazz traded for Mitchell. So they can't do that. 
But that's what's sweet about it, man. And that's why I want this franchise to win because it's a, it's the perpetual underdog from that perspective. And it, it's a great metaphor for life, man. Keep plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. Now, they haven't gotten it done yet. But keep well, plugging away. The odds are against you, but so what? You can get it done. The Bucks went 50 years without getting it done, and they kept plugging away. And they had two horrible, frustrating playoff exits when Giannis was the MVP. But this year, they got it. And it was a pretty sweet trophy celebration. They were definitely savoring it. Well, and, and I want it to be next year anyway when it's a full 82. It'll mean more. Don't win it this year. Jazz were smart. Get their guys rested, healthy. Come back stronger next year. Give them a taste of what can happen. Because an 82-game title means more than a 72-game title. It do. Did somebody drop an asterisk on the uh, on the Bucks, or did everyone let that ride? You, I, I wouldn't. But I'm just saying that this means more. A regular season that starts in October. Blah 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 means more. Alex says they played Christmas night two years ago. No big deal. They did blow out Portland. Well, I think it is a big deal though. I mean, Sacramento's not playing. Phoenix was never even going to be considered. Memphis, on and on and on. So, it, no, it is a big deal. I disagree completely. Al, was that Alex? Is that what you said? Alex Martinez. Alex. Amart. Come on, When's man. the last time? So the Suns are playing the Warriors. When's the last time the Suns are on Christmas I Day? I have no idea. Yeah. I know I actually went once Christmas Day to see the Suns play when I was living in Los Angeles. I've only spent, I've lived in Salt Lake for 28 years, and I've only spent one Christmas day here. Go to Arizona, hang with the family. Tried to make a commitment. Well, we'll leave that alone. But anyway, uh, yeah, family. And so one of the years, actually, when I was in Los Angeles, we (gasps) were over there Christmas Day, and... I went to a game when they had Barkley. Mm. Place was electric. I think that uh, my mother-in-law got tickets for my wife and I, so we went. <laughs> uh, so we went and watched them play. Yeah, and I would go there even on days that I would have to work at the Daily Breeze Christmas night. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get up, have an early morning Christmas, and then drive across the desert. To be at work by like four or five o'clock. Yeah. Suns are hosting the Warriors, and the same day, the Arizona Cardinals host the Indianapolis Colts. So you could have a, I don't know, are they going to overlap? No, three o'clock on ABC for the Suns and Warriors, and then 6.15 for the Colts and the Cardinals. You have your NBA-NFL doubleheader. Uh, Yeah, it would be hard to get to, but some people will probably try. They're on opposite sides of the town a little bit. The Cardinals play on the west side, and the Suns play downtown. First time so, the Suns have been on Christmas Day since they blew out the Clippers in 2009. So it's been a little more than a decade. Yeah, I think it's a sign of respect. And the big thing for the Jazz is you can orchestrate whatever you want the league can do. But if we play our cards right, cliche, we can get there. And they are. They're, they're in the mix, man. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Our college football insider, Riley Jensen, joins us coming up at 8 o'clock. Reno Mai, the former BYU and Philadelphia Eagles player, at 9 o'clock. We'll ask Reno how much money he missed out on with name, image, and likeness coming along when it did. Man, he would have been perfectly positioned. Would have. Local star, good player, tons of charisma. He had, he had the trifecta. We'll talk with Reno at 9, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. Talk about Cam Rising and Charlie Brewer. I'm not asking you to pick favorites here. I'm just saying, you know, what are the strengths and what are these guys bringing to the table right now that, as Coach mentioned, this battle's neck and neck right now. I mean, in the spring, uh, you know, everyone kind of said, you know, Charlie's the guy, Charlie's the guy. And I know Cam's a competitor, so I knew he's going to come back stronger than ever. And that's kind of where we're at right now is it's definitely neck and neck. I wouldn't be able to make a decision right now. I am more than confident in both of them being able to do the job, so I think it's just going to come down to it, and whoever can just be a, a playmaker and take over that offense. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Hanson Scotty Thursday. They're going to be at Ochre Mountain Pharmacy from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's at 3665 South 8400 West, Suite 120 in Magna. All right, PK, you got a story you want to tell, and you don't want to you don't want to tell me what it's about. Plagiarism. What is it? What happened? Now I don't mind when people copy one another, but I hate plagiarism. What? Yeah. What's I, the difference? The difference? Well, you're copying versus cheating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's a fine line. We'll explore that later. And I cross that line all the time. So on August 3rd, 1280 The Zone and KSL.com posted a story by Patrick Kinahan. That's me. All right. And I wrote it. Uh-huh. It says, fair or not, the BYU football program begins practice this week with the extra burden of providing an encore to last season's phenomenal success. Mm-hmm. Two days ago, the watchdog... Fair or not, literally the same words, BYU football has double weight to carry through the 2021 season. Written by Gordon Monson. (gasps) You freaking plagiarized me. Fair or not? That's my exact phrase. I showed it to Yawk last night. Well, we need to get him on and get to the bottom of this. We had him on yesterday. yesterday. Oh, you did? You get to the bottom of it? No, I didn't see it until later in the afternoon. Well, Gordon, you're getting another call. What happened? (laughs) It's like I said snapshots. Let's see, what would Gordon say? Hold on, let me channel Gordon for a second. Well, uh, it's a phrase, PK. I mean, it's a commonly used phrase. No, I didn't see yours. Well, why why didn't you see mine? I mean, your website ain't any better than my website. (laughs) (laughs) Your website's bigger than my website. And we're both right for websites. And my website's pretty doggone big. (laughs) I got a big website. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> got a big website. Yeah. Well, I got a big TV. Yeah. Well, I got a big website. I don't know the size of the Watchdogs website. I know KSL is massive. And I know you got a big TV. There it is. <laughs> So he said, oh, I didn't see it, but imitation is the highest form of flattery. So I was just busting him. I told him I had consulted with my attorney. 
You'd be hearing from my attorney shortly. I'm rich. You're not. <laughs> I'm, well, I can. I can't say that. Now, you two, you both, you guys make more money than I do. So you're not uh, talking about me. I no, know. I'm talking about okay. Gordon and Sniggy. Uh, so they're rich. I'm not. I mean, that's just a fact. Uh, they live high on hillsides. I don't. I live in the flatlands. Uh, but what I can say is, I'm PK, and you're not. And I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I do think it's a bigger issue here because I think both of us are true in what we're writing. Fair or not. It is. And it, it is actually, it's unfair because this is an entirely different ball club. But I do think there's going to be, see, I told you, either way. There's going to be, see, I told you, we were really good last year. Or if they go 6-6, six and six, see, I told you, it's just... Last year was just the product of the schedule. And that shouldn't be, burden's probably too strong of a word, but it, I'm not sure what the exact word could be uh, because it's going to be people talk. It's not going to be the football So team. does it change in your mind, or do you think it changes in anybody's mind, if this year is relatively pedestrian, but next year is a bunch of wins and big, exciting victories piled up simply because they'll have an experienced quarterback back. Well, we don't know that. I have no idea who will be Well, back let's assume they do, that well, whoever plays this year plays next year. Because well, that whole thought that you're supposed to replace a quarterback with a couple games experience and he's going to play the way a number 2 pick in the NFL did? Uh, yeah, but there's plenty of teams who win eight, nine, ten games and don't have number two picks at quarterback. So okay, but I if mean, they go they, eight and four, you just went eight go, and one, and they had a quarterback that was undrafted. but the unfair burden is if the, if BYU goes eight and four, which sounds decent right now, looking at their schedule and knowing how many guys went to the NFL, is that unfair burden going to land on them? See, at eight and four, that no, good. no, they go eight and four. That's that's good enough. If they go nine and three. That's outstanding, and of course, anything above that is incredible. So I think that those who said, "Oh, it's a product of the schedule," blah blah blah. If you go eight and four, you've. Silenced I don't think them. the people are saying that. Oh, I don't think so. I think they'll just keep saying, "See." Oh yeah, but but there's going to be people who doesn't matter. No matter if you go on eleven and zero, it's going to be well because uh, Keaton Slovis didn't play in the second half because they were arresting him for the Pac-12 title game or something. So those those folks, they're like the ding-dongs who comment on everything about the LDS church uh, on the Tribune website. No matter what you do, if they gave out $8 trillion to the homeless, well, what took you so long? You know, I mean, they're going to criticize no matter what. So they're going to just, it's going to be constant criticism. So you're never going to shut up anybody, everybody, because there's always going to be criticism. It's like racism. We're never going to get rid of it completely. It doesn't mean you don't try, but you're never going to get rid of it completely. It's never going to be 100% gone. Never, ever. Doesn't mean you don't try. So you can't worry about that. If they go eight and four, that's good enough. Because you just said they just had that quarterback, and and so mm-hmm. and he gained experience. So uh, the same line of thinking. Well, you you just the reason you just brought up you had an inexperienced quarterback, but yet you went eight and four, and somehow that's not good enough. That doesn't make any sense. And you're leading towards next season. No, I think this is a critical season for Kalani Sataki's development of the program to say we've established ourselves as a program. It took a while, 
We had to go through some coaching, and guys were forced upon me that I didn't want, and I got rid of them, blah, blah, blah. And here we are, and we had a breakthrough, and now we're going to continue. And so every th- four out of five years or what have you, we're going to be a really good team. And that if they do that this year, that sends a strong, strong message. The best message that they will have sent in the six years that Kalani Sataki would be the coach. We are here. This is a good program. We've got it on solid foundation, and we're going to try to build each year. It's going to be hard because every year is different, and their schedule, you know, they don't necessarily have anything to ease into it. They don't have a tune-up game. Maybe they do this year, but that's just circumstantial. When they scheduled Arizona, they didn't know Arizona was coming into the game on a 12-game losing streak. With a brand-new coach. Uh, yeah. And, and a largely brand-new roster. Right, and just so it worked out that way. But there's also pressure on that team, speaking of the Cougars, that they've got to win that game then, and they can't just win it like they beat the Portland team a few years back where, man, that was ugly. They've got to win and look fairly good. But, you know, I was, I, I've been talking to people in, in the program, and they believe they've got something. They believe they've waded through a lot of the issues that they had because some of the issues that they had, they had – in the beginning, people who weren't really authorized were doling out scholarships. And this has been out there. It's not like it's any brand new news. Maybe some listeners don't know it. And so they had a major scholarship crunch. And they still do. I wouldn't call it as major as it was uh, because they just gave out too many, offered too many. And, you know, the idea of, well, we'll figure it out when kids get back two years later and all. They got a much better handle on it now. And especially with this built bar, maybe they can they can use that. I'm not sure how that works, as that's skirting rules. But well, I don't know about the rules. I just saw <laughs> I just saw nobody ne- does the, Nebraska now with Scott Frost is having guys work out in the pandemic or whatever. Uh, and I was told by somebody, everybody's done it. It's just that the Sun Devils were so over the top and blatant about it, and they took it to the highest level possible. But that everybody's been doing it. So it'll be interesting to see what their penalty is especially since they didn't get the guys that they brought in anyway. <laughs> so so it ended up being a waste of time. Uh, so we'll see on that. But also, too, NFL people, NFL people have been around BYU's program telling them, and I know this, I've been told this, that they like what they see. They like what they see in the program. So that's more a case of this is year six for Kalani and the guys this staff identified, and we don't have to rehash all the Broncos' thoughts about the NFL. They're out there, and we've talked about them a million times. But yeah, yeah, in yeah. year six, exactly. just the overall talent at multiple positions mm-hmm. yep. is better than it was. 100%, now, yes. is it good enough for this schedule, and is there the depth there if the wrong guys get hurt? A question for BYU, much as it is for lots of college I think it's teams. good enough to get eight wins. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll discuss this very point with Riley Jensen next. Reno Mahi moving to 830, right, Yuck? All right, Reno at 8.30, stay with us. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Riley Jensen for his weekly visit, our college football insider and mental performance coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. DJ and PK just rolls off the tongue for like, what, 20 years now? How yeah. long have you guys been together? Oh, man. It'll be uh, longer than my first marriage. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> be, uh, 20 years will be next April. 
next April. 20 years. Wow, where do they go? Where are we going, guys? Where are we going? Where are we celebrating? Cabo. Live from Cabo. That's a great idea. Central time zone, so we'll get to sleep in an hour longer. Okay, good, because I was about to say, wait, what about Maui? You've been talking it up, and I haven't been to Maui yet. Yeah, but that's... Yeah, yeah, you don't do a way, morning yeah, show from Maui. Yeah, 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 you're way out. <laughs> Three you're o'clock gonna, in the morning. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't ruin your beach time, though, so you got that going for you. All right, Riley, as we get on the countdown here, a couple weeks out from the start of college football, the doldrums, we've learned as much as we're likely to learn. The coaches don't want to tell us much more because they got to keep secrets from uh, whoever's prepping to play in week one, whether it's Weber State or Arizona or whatever. So I'm curious, what do you want to know? And what can't you know until the season starts? As an, as an ex-player who's connected to some of these staffs and might know a little something the average person doesn't, what do you want to know? Well, there's, there's a couple of things about this time of the year that, that, that are fun and then also just really hard to figure out. Number, number one... Like, I cannot stand when I start seeing stats from scrimmages from, like, fall scrimmages. <laughs> like, I, it means absolutely nothing. And, you know, they're all scripted and they're put into a different scenario. And I, I just, I hate it when I see some of those stats. But the thing that I think would be super interesting to know right now is when they're going full speed, who has changed their physicality? Who's changed their ability to, like, you know, to fill a gap and, and really wreak havoc in a gap? Or is there a nose guard or nose tackle from one of these teams that's just unbelievably dominant right now and he's putting centers, like, right on their butt, like, two yards into the backfield? Because those are the type of statistics that don't show up in, in any sort of stat line all year, but you can see it in a game. You can see how disruptive it is when a defensive lineman is dominant and, and just knocks guys back two, three yards and running backs have to make a, you know, they have to change their direction early in their run. And then all of a sudden they're running for their lives and they're getting minus one yards or they're getting one yard. So I'm excited to see who that is. I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think the hardest thing for me right now, when you're trying to figure out like what a quarterback can do, I think for years and years, the reason why a running quarterback was so hard to, to just kind of see what he can do is because so many times in practice you're not live on a quarterback. And so it's kind of like, well, it seems like he would have made a good run there, but I don't know if he would have got out of that tackle. I don't know if he would have been able to make that run. And then if he's not as good a passer as the guy that's competing with him, oftentimes in the past the guy that was the better passer always got selected because you just can't really tell on whether this guy can run the ball or not. Now, we have a couple of guys out there that who, who have game films so you know some of it, but we don't know, for example – for example, has Romney increased his speed and athleticism, right? We don't know what some of these quarterbacks at the University of Utah and at Utah State with Logan Bonner, we, we have some game film from him and we have some game film um, from the different quarterbacks, but you want to see, are they quicker, are they faster, can they make plays with their feet, and can they throw the ball? And so that's what I'm excited to see, and that's what I'm excited to see, you know, does the athleticism of Logan Bonner at Arkansas State actually translate to the Mountain West Conference? Is he going to be able to do some of the same things, right? Um, you know, is, you know, when, when we're talking about 
Jaron Hall, is he going to be able to run and not get hurt? I mean, I think that's the biggest worry, right? I think we all know that he can throw the ball. We all know that he can run the ball. But can he do it in a smart a smart enough way that he's not getting injured early in the season where you have to, like, change things all up again? And so I'm excited to see some of these things. But from, from everything that I'm hearing and then everything that I'm seeing, I mean – and, and this happens every fall, but optimism is, is pretty high right now at a lot of different places. Yeah, it really is. There's no question about that. These quarterbacks, particularly at BYU and Utah, they have, the coaches have gone to great lengths to say it's a close battle and there's not a whole lot of uh, difference between one and two. They even had battles for three and four and all that stuff. So as far as the starter goes, with all that in mind, and they're not – being literally live in the way that they will be in the first game. If you're a coach, how do you handle, since somebody is like the 1-1-A rather than a just drastic difference or gap between 1 and 2, and it's that close, right? How do you handle, say, when you get to the games, if the number one guy, there's a little bit of a struggle? When do you know to make a switch because it seems like, well, if they're that close and the other guy isn't getting it done, that I should go to the second guy because he was right there. But at the same time, you don't want to damage confidence. Yeah, so I, I'm not trying to bail on the question. I'll explain my answer. But the, but the answer is it depends, right? So you, if you've got two guys that you feel are very good and, you know, you know with Brewer and Rising at the, at, at the University of Utah, I think – People are feeling like you've got two good quarterbacks. With, with Jalen Hall and with Romney at BYU, you're feeling like you have for sure two good quarterbacks, right? I think the rope is, is a little shorter, right? Like, I, I just think it is. Now, what that means to each coordinator and what that means to each head coach is, is a little bit different. But I, but I will say this. The, the coaches that have been around for a while, and, and Kalani has been around for a long time, um, Coach Kyle's been around for a long time. And then obviously their offensive coordinators with, with Roderick and Ludwig have been around a long time. They, they understand at this point that the quarterback is a little bit of a rhythm position. And, um, you know, you want, you want your starting quarterback to be like, like a starter in Major League Baseball, right? Like you want to be able to work through a couple of things before you, before you start messing around with his head and, and pulling them out of the game and let them get into a rhythm because when they're in a rhythm, they're really, really, really good. Now, you know, you can work through some things if, if you win games. If you lose games, that also is, a, is another factor, right? Like, if your quarterback is struggling but you're winning and you still feel like he can be the guy, then you, you can get away with some things. But if you're losing and you start the season 0 for 3 and your quarterback hasn't been able to work through it, that might be the time that – that, that you figure out how to pull the trigger and, and move to the next quarterback. But you, the rope is shorter when you have two quarterbacks, but it's longer than we would normally think. Okay, so it's weird you say that because as soon as you said 0-3, I thought BYU and Utah's hopes are so high. And the quarterback competition has been pumped up so much, presumably the backup is good, so there's no way they'll get that deep. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. But I think it's going to be longer than what you – like, Like it would for sure be 0-2 before a change, hmm. in, my, in my opinion. Like, I, I, don't, I can't even imagine that it wouldn't be at least two games. 
I, I just can't imagine a scenario as a as a coordinator, someone who's been a coordinator before. I can't imagine like going all the way through spring, all the way through fall camp, all the way through the summer, seeing all kinds of information and making such a bad choice that you need to make the change like after the first game. Like you just totally like blew it. Um, the, the only thing that I could see is if like you really didn't know. But if you really don't know, usually that means that both quarterbacks aren't performing high enough. So you really hope that, you know, in in all the quarterback competitions I was in, like by now in fall camp, everybody knows who the guy is. Like nobody's saying it, but everybody knows who the guy is. And they might be giving reps to the second guy just to get him ready for the season in case something happens. But everybody knows who the guy is right now. And everybody knows that like the week of that, that guy is going to get all the reps and he's going to get the opportunity to be successful. So, um, it's it's interesting. I mean, the quarterback quarterback position is really really interesting, and it's more interesting now to me than it's ever been because the old offenses you, you didn't get hurt as much as a quarterback. I mean, there was a lot that was done to protect you and keep you from getting injured, right? And now it's like, nah, he's got to be able to run and throw, and and we got to be able to risk that. And you know what? If he gets hurt in the fifth game, then next man up. I mean that's that's just kind of the attitude now, and so these quarterbacks are are much more physically talented and much much better runners than than my era of quarterbacks were, and but but that also opens them up to to injury, and so these second string quarterbacks, these guys that are just right there, they got to stay ready because they're they're going to get a chance to play. How important do you think this is this season is for Kalani Sataki? He had the great season. Uh, but some people and a lot of people obviously knock it because of the schedule. And you can also argue, well, you know, the, you wait three or four years and you build guys up and they get experience. So you can just about any program at that level can have a good season. But it's important to have a program. And in order to have a program, you got to have successful seasons one after another, at least to one degree or another. So with that in mind, the importance of this season seems to me is pretty high. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I don't think. I mean, certainly don't think he has to go eleven and one next year. No. I mean, I, I, I think there's going to be some pressure to play well in the big games or in the games that that they feel like are a fifty fifty. Uh, you know, to quote our friend Alema, right? Like fifty fifty games. They got to play well, and if there's some blowouts here, that's that's cause for concern. If there's a blowout, um, it's. I always expect BYU to win a few of these big games because if, if, if you look at the history of BYU, even in years that you didn't think they were going to win, they go on the road, they beat Wisconsin, right? A couple of years ago, they had the big throw at the end, they beat Tennessee. Maybe you didn't think you, that they were going to win those games, and, and they come up with some wins. The problem is, is do, they, do they play well in the other big games? And you, typically they'll play pretty well because they'll get up. But then they have to do what they're supposed to do in the games that they're supposed to win. Because, you know, two years ago, or uh, mm-hmm. I'm confused with COVID, it might have been three years ago, when you go to Toledo and South Florida and, and you lay some eggs, man, it, it's not happiness, right? And even though you had a decent preseason, like those games were hurtful. And um, I think you've just got to be competitive in all these games. And then in the games that you think you're supposed to win, you got to go out and do what you're supposed to do. And if if they do that, I mean, it could be a really, really good season. Maybe not, maybe not as highly ranked and highly touted as last year, but you can feel really, really good about the momentum of the program if they put together a, 
I don't know, an eight, if they put together an eight and four season, I mean, I think that's really positive momentum, right? So we're not hearing much, uh, pos- as much positivity or nearly as much positivity out of Utah State as we are out of BYU and Utah. What kind of hopes you got for your alma mater? Well, I, I listen. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I personally don't have like high expectations. I think the expectations up there are way higher than I have. Right? Like I'm, I'm watching them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm very hopeful, right? And I'm not saying because they don't have players, but it it just takes a minute with a new coaching staff. But, man, there's a lot of positivity going on. There's a lot of optimism going on. You know, people talking about how fast the offense is and how they can throw it around and how some of these, you know, these portal transfers have made a real difference. And I just feel like, man, there's a lot more positivity and excitement about the program than I thought there would be. Um, I'm still going in just cautiously optimistic, but man, if they if they pull off the, the optimism and the positivity that I'm feeling, then then it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fun season to watch all three of those teams play in the state of Utah. Riley, as always, we appreciate the time, and we will talk to you again next week. You guys are the best, man. Thanks for having me on. Riley Jensen, college football insider, mental performance coach. When we come back, Reno, my former BYU star, former Philadelphia Eagle, his take on the Cougars upcoming and name, image, and likeness. If only, if only, Reno. We'll get to that next. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network, and they are counted down to the best players in the state. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as they count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union, Icon Health and Fitness, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Reno Mahe is going to join us momentarily. Talk about the BYU team and name, image, and likeness. Another day, another deal. Oregon defensive end. Kayvon Thibodeau is a potential number one pick in the upcoming draft. And he's got a marketing deal with United Airlines. And United Airlines is going to provide special direct flights from Eugene, Oregon, to select Ducks away game. Obviously, they've selected the game at Ohio State on September 11th. Well, how about here, man? Aren't yeah. the Ducks coming into town? Yeah, let's get some flights to Salt Lake because we yeah. want more golden green in the stands. Red, golden, green, red, golden, green. I guess that's what you'd have, right? Uh, I suppose so, sure. <laughs> yeah, one side would be red. The other guys would be golden, green. Red, golden, green. Uh, their road <laughs> schedule, Oregon's road schedule is uh, difficult the way it broke out. I think most of their games are... I don't know if you can say. Yeah, I don't know if you can have five marquee road games, but they're all interesting for one reason. Or I another. hope they lose all of them except Ohio State. They're going to Stanford. They're going to UCLA. Who doesn't want a trip to the Rose Bowl, even if UCLA is mediocre? Okay. And In late October, it's probably raining up there in Eugene, right? Get to sunny Southern California. No, you don't know. And then uh, Washington. Well, you might drive that. And then. The Utes, November 20th, set up late in the year, big game, high stakes. Oh, you yeah, have everything yeah, yeah. pretty well mapped out by then and know, know what's at stake. You never know, though, because that was what it was a few years back and when Oregon was going through their 4-8 and eight season and some kid named, uh, what was his name? Uh, barely, he's a freshman. I think his name was Herbert, something like that. Oh, Justin that Herbert. guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy. And they uh, he threw a pass down in the uh, – corner of the end zone there to some guy named Carrington who ended up being on your team and they beat you. Yep. 
and that was a big game. I mean, for Oregon, it wasn't a big game. Helfrich was out and all that stuff, but uh, the Utes, you thought they would have had it, and they didn't. So that's that's that that's the conference in a nutshell, right there, man. I've been saying that for three, four decades. You get these guys; they have they have great skill players. A young Justin Herbert goes on beach and and Herbert ends up being just an outstanding quarterback. I think he's going to be an outstanding NFL quarterback too. We're joined now by Reno Mai, former BYU star and Philadelphia Eagles player. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Reno, good morning. Good morning. How goes it? It goes well. We have many things to talk to you about, but uh, your name has come up a few times here as this whole name, image, and likeness thing is broken. And we'll, and we'll get into some of the how it might help local schools with local players. And You were a high-profile local player, and you were a very good college player, and you had a ton of charisma, and you loved being in front of the camera. We kind of identified you as a guy who could have really crushed it if name, image, and likeness had come along a quarter of a century earlier. Any regrets? Feel like you missed out? You feel like, why did the NCAA finally get their act together now? Where were they when I needed them? Oh, no, I totally used the NIL back when I was playing. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Statute of limitations is up, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a full right scholarship to school. I didn't have to pay for school. <laughs> but, you know, a, guy, a kid like you would have cashed in. NIL. Yeah. You would have been able to cash in. I mean, you're the best high school player I've ever seen, and I've worked in three states. I mean, your feet over there at Brighton were unbelievable, and no, no one ever got a clean shot at you ever for all the, the entire time. I mean, I saw so many of your games because I live in the area, and, you know, you, you did have just an, an awesome amount of personality to go with it, too. You've already displayed that. Uh, do, you, do you think it's the, something that high school kids can begin developing and carry it on into college, especially if they stay local? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, when, it, when I saw it coming, like maybe about the last year or so when things were coming out about it, I thought BYU would benefit the most from this in, in the sense that the local kids, the, all the BYU business owners in the Valley and um, just the global brand of um, BYU. And so these kids, if they start growing their social media presence now and start, um, you know, getting their name recognition out there, they could do very well for themselves. You know, I, I could see schools offering something, you know, like there's all these different um, businesses that are, are going to hire you when you come to our school. And I think that's something BYU will be able to, you know, within the rules, that's the hard part is I don't know exactly how the rules are playing out. But you can see what happened with Bill, Bill Barr and all these different things coming on that, like, I think BYU is going to benefit greatly from it, and it, which all these other – and it's just awesome to see these kids getting what they deserve, and um, I'm excited for these kids. So do you think it will be enough that some of the high-profile – not all, but some of the high-profile local kids who've been leaving to go to Oregon and Stanford and USC and, and wherever else – will stay put, or will they continue to leave for high-profile programs and maybe it'll impact the next two of kids? It's, it's all money. 
it's all money. If the Utah boosters, the BYU boosters, if they all step up, they'll start keeping these kids home. I, I, and, and here's the hard part, and I, I know these parents have this feeling about getting their kids out there at all these other schools. The reality is the majority of these kids, they move back to Utah. And so you see all these, so many of these kids that leave, they move back to this state. I mean, Utah's a great state. And look at it. We're in a drought. We need rain. All these crazy Mormons pray for rain, and we get rain. Like, it's (laughs) awesome. But Utah is a great state, and these kids need to start staying home, whether it's at BYU, Utah. And to me, it's going to come down to these BYU businesses, Utah businesses. They're um, all the different boosters. Like, let's do a good job of keeping our kids home. Why did you stay home? Because you probably could have gone many different places. Uh, my first go-around was my mom. She she made me go to BYU. I didn't really care for BYU. And so, but I'm talking. If my mom tells me to do something, you're going to do it. Like, <laughs> and then, um, and that's the hard part I have with some of these parents. So many parents, I'm like, dude, tell your kid to stay here. Oh, it's up to my kids. Like, it's up to your kid. Like, your kid probably... You, you probably still have to tell your kid to take a shower after practice, and you're you're making him do these kind of life decisions. Like some of these parents just need to make their kids stay in the state. Um, as far as the second go around, Norm was trying to get me to go to USC. It that was my wife's fault. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to marry Sunny, so I had to stay at BYU and stay here with her. <laughs> You're going to get any blowback from this, Reno, or are you going to be able to weather this storm you're creating? <laughs> what storm is that? <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> so how dialed in are you to the team right now, or are you kind of keeping it at arm's length this time of year? No, it's COVID. i got to stay as far as away. I don't want to get nobody sick. I don't want them blaming me for anything. So I keep my distance and just enjoy it from afar as a fan and, Every now and then, check in on the coaches, and but I'm excited for this year. Yeah, you look at Kalani, and you know, at BYU, we know because of missions and whatnot that it takes a while, and so he's going into his sixth season, and he's coming off a fantastic season, one of the better ones in program history, where a number of guys for the first time and who knows how long got to the NFL and are going to be on NFL rosters. How about just the state of the program in terms of what he's building? What's your assessment? They, the, the players have all bought in. They know Kalani loves them. And I, I love the saying that these, these players, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so they know Kalani cares. They know his staff cares. And so these boys will, they'll, you know, they'll run through walls for him. And so that's, that's what your program wants. And so I, I think, you know, Kalani's building a great deal over there. And um, everyone's excited for this year. And, amazing schedule Tom has put together for them, and so it'll be great to see what happens. Give me that saying one more time. I don't think I've heard that before. That was pretty smooth. You just rattled that right off. Players don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so, they, these again, you can tell these coaches, they love their players. Um, same goes with the staff at the U. You know, they they have coaches there that love their players. I know a lot of those guys personally, and, and they do. And these players feel it, and they know it. And so these players are willing to 
do, you know, football is not easy, but they're willing to do it because they know how much these coaches care about them. Yeah, when you look at Kalani, do you think that uh, that's, if you were to list his strong points, would you put that right at the top? Because you spend any time with the guy and you feel like coming away with, man, he's really a great person. He's my, I'm his best friend. I mean, I don't know how many people are able to do that, but however he does it, he manages to make you feel like that. No, he's, Kalani's all love, but Kalani's also one of those Tongan nerds. He's like, he's so smart. And so as much as he comes across as, you know, he's loving, he's a fun guy, he is super smart. And so he can dissect a game, dissect a team, a player. I mean, just, it's, it was one of the coolest things sitting with him, watching film and how he breaks down someone's hip and the way that, you know, they're burst. And, but I mean, he knows the game. He knows the X's and O's and, and, BYU is very lucky to have him. So, expect him to back up that eleven one season with another big year. I'm hoping so, but I mean, again, the weird shaped ball. So you never know which way the ball bounces. But he's got the players to do it. He's got the staff to do it. So, um, I think they, they should have a special year. Everybody knows, Reno, that BYU doesn't pay what the going rate is as far as if you're successful as a head coach. So he put together the 11. No, they don't. That's why I'm not there no more. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) So terrible, but they do it for the love of the school, the love of the kids. And so they, they don't. They absolutely don't. Right, <laughs> they right. need to do a better job of that. Well, okay, that's where I'm going with this because the fact is if he goes out and has a big-time season this year, I mean, he's such a charismatic, likable guy, and then he'll have a, a resume that can back it up. And we saw Mendenhall took off, and you know, for whatever reason, he can say what he wants, but he also received a massive amount of uh, money to go, you know, well over $3 million. He wasn't making anything close to that. You know Kalani, and you've known him very well for many, many years, better than us. And so if he puts together a good season – I think that some people are going to come calling. Uh, what do you think about his desire to, you know, he's a Utah County BYU guy, but at the same time, money talks. What do you think about that? He, you, you, I mean, you said it as if people aren't calling. Kalani loves BYU, but the, the reality is there comes a time of point where BYU just needs to do what they can to keep him. I mean, they, they have the resources, like, they just need to pay the guy to keep him here. But you're right. I mean, here, here's the funny thing. If BYU has so many of, what is it, the Pac-12 South, yeah. BYU could run the table on the Pac-12 South. I was just looking at the schedule the other day. They could essentially have more wins than any Pac-12 South team. <laughs> <laughs> if BYU runs the table on the Pac-12 South, and the Pac-12 South eat each other up, they could end the season with more Pac-12 South wins than any of the Pac-12 South teams. (laughs) How ironic would that be? Right, yeah. yeah, But at the end of the day, BYU needs to, they need to do what they can to keep Kalani. And their staff, that's the problem. You're going to start losing more of their staff. Like, these guys are going to get picked off left and right, and it's all financially. 
People love Provo. People love to stay in the BYU is a great school. It's the hardest school to be a coach, but it's a great school. It's a great, you know, Utah's a great place. So when you talk to your buddies, the coaches, can you give us any insight, any nuggets, things that are true about the team that maybe the coaches don't mind being out there, but they don't they just can't have their name associated with it? Players who are gonna be good position groups that are going to be really good? Um, I And it's just kind of a rule I have when I'm with the guys. I was with some of them just, um, what, Sunday? I don't talk football. And I had a buddy that came with me. Uh, we were meeting up with them for this uh, Tree of Life tour in Highland. And I said, you have one rule when we go here. I didn't tell them who we were meeting with. And I said, you can't talk football. And he's like, oh, I won't. He's like, he's a big BYU, you know, been a booster forever. I was like, no talking football when we get to this place. And so I don't talk football when I'm around the coaches just because of this. You ask me something like this, then I have nothing to share because I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well. And so I just have a rule with these guys. I don't talk football. You say BYU is the hardest place to coach. Why is that? You can't get you know, free range of players that would want to come. The two years I was there, we had players that wanted to come and the school wouldn't let them in. Players that could have helped the program. And so, you know, we have a player that's playing on Sunday right now in the NFL, would have came, but he didn't want to cut his hair. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that any other of these big schools? Like we just, but it's all right. They know that, you know, these coaches know the challenges but it's the hardest place to coach football. We will leave it there, Reno. We appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always great talking to you. Reno Mai, former Brighton Bengal, BYU Cougar, and Philadelphia Eagle. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The best high school football player you ever saw. You've seen some pretty good high school football players. That's high praise. Yes. I was trying to think of other players that I saw, and obviously they're guys who've gone on to the pros, and not just here, but in California too. But he was he was in a class by himself. Oh, yeah. I've told the story many times. I've lived in the Brighton area, and word got around, you got to go see this kid. He, I saw him spin around a safety. He got yeah. through the, the line, the linebackers, and he had the safeties. He faked one way, faked the other, and he had the kid turning around. The kid tripped over his own feet and fell down, and Reno scored untouched. It was phenomenal. I haven't seen anybody else do that. And we've seen running backs run for 1,500 or more yards. See yeah. kids score 20, 30 touchdowns, whatever. And when you get in the newspaper business, usually in the sports department, you start out covering high schools. Mm-hmm. And I was no exception. I covered high schools in Arizona. I covered high schools in California. And I would need a list. I would forget all the guys that I covered who who've gone on to and played. To the, yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be able to I remember, remember them all. I remember Haloti Nada. Maybe in Utah, but not yeah. in California. I remember seeing Haloti Nada the first time and thinking, well, he was easy to pick out. He was way bigger than everybody else. I know, but I'm not a lineman guy. I know. I know, right? It's easier <laughs> when somebody has the ball. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously he played a number of many, many years. No, I like the, the guys who carry the ball, throw the ball, catch the ball. That's what I look at. I let the big dudes worry about I'm not a big dude, so I let them worry about that. So, sure, yeah, I like the excitement of it. Puka Nakua's got to be on that list. He was phenomenal. He was. He completely outclassed everyone, in, kind of in a way Reno did. 
Receiver's a little different depending on getting the ball to you, but sure. he made some unbelievable catches. But Reno's feet were just, just absolutely amazing, yeah. Interesting he says it's the hardest place. I used to not agree with that, but I'm moving toward agreeing with that a lot more than I used to. And we can elaborate. All right, we'll do that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Salt Lake Bees start a six-game homestand against the Reno Aces tomorrow. Come on out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets on sale now at slbees.com. We've got a four-pack of tickets to the game tomorrow night for Caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. Caller 12. Tickets to see the Bees on a win tickets Wednesday. All right, PK, you had thoughts you wanted to share at the end of the last segment. We're out of time. I used to think that BYU coaching, in terms of recruiting, was one of the easier jobs. Because you're going to get who you're going to get. And because of the religious affiliation, and maybe their parents went there, or you grew up here, or whatever it might be, there's, there was a direct connection at BYU that was inherent, more so, more widespread than other places. And because of that inherent connection, you had a leg up on being able to get those kids to come to your school and play for your football program because they wanted to. But I think that's changed, not necessarily in the kid, but I think the degree of difficulty now in the opponent and the schedule is such that before those kids were good enough. And if you got them and got them in the system and paid their dues, that by the time they're juniors and seniors, they were pretty good football players and they were able to beat most of the programs on your schedule. We had Blaine, Blaine Fowler, who's a BYU guy through and through. Mm-hmm. His kids are, he is, his parents are, all the way. And he said yeah. last week, you know, back when you had maybe two or three games and the rest of the teams, you're just good enough to beat. You're going to beat New Mexico. Yeah. You're going to beat UNLV on down the line. Most often. Well, now that's not the case. You know, you've got, well, they got seven P5s this year. Yep. You know, not all of them are great. I understand that. Uh, but but they're better. Th- but Virginia, whatever Virginia's yeah. going to be, it's going to be better than New Mexico. Yeah, and you're playing Boise. And I, everybody knows Boise's a really good football program. So you're having six, seven, eight games that you're not really sure how it's going to be. And back when, when they were rolling out a Sunny Line factory double-digit win seasons, there probably was six, seven, eight games you knew you were going to win. You really had to suck to lose those games. So because of that, and combined with some of the stuff with the Cougar, just, just the BYU way, 
it has made the job difficult because expectations, I don't think that have dropped that much. They've dropped to a degree. I think the the hardcore knowledgeable BYU fan, a BYU fan, you can respond if I'm off base on this, but I think like a guy like Papa P, you know, we've known him for years, hardcore BYU fan, talk to him. I've seen him out in the public. And you can have rational discussions with him about BYU football, right? He's a hardcore fan, but he understands the way of the world there with BYU. So what I mean by that is, and Reno just said it, you know, eight and four, or maybe it was Riley. Riley Jensen said eight and four is pretty good. Well, back when eight and four wouldn't have been pretty good in the whack, right? But it is now, and I think that most BYU fans who are passionate but also are rational and have common sense and can look at things somewhat objectively with a fan-based influence know that with this schedule 8 and 3 9 and 4 uh, or 8 and 4 9 and 3 that's decent you know everybody wants 10 11 12 i get it but if you roll out that many victories especially if you're 9 and 3 that's a really good season, and and to me, nine and three equates to that eleven and one back in those days. So because of the increase, and also too, not just that, everything has changed. So many of these kids, like Reno's mother, said, "You got to go to BYU." Okay, well now parents aren't saying that as much. You got to investigate everything, so you got to go to Stanford. You, got, you and I was talking to somebody just last night from BYU about this. And how these guys are coming into school, are coming into the state and getting these kids, and how much more difficult it is to recruit. And this, and it's funny because this group of coaches is actually pushing the LDS experience, maybe not to the public degree that Bronco did, but they're doing it a lot more now than they did when they first took over. That's a fact. That's an absolute fact. Yeah, because they've seen it pay off. Because it's a, yes, and it's a tool that they have. The, the, Bronco got, and, and Kyle used to hate this, that they, you want the LDS experience, nobody does the LDS experience better than BYU. And I used to think, eh, but it's good enough else place, other, other places. And, and I still think it is good enough. that's two different things. It is two different things. And I used to think that it wasn't. But now having a conversation as recently as last evening about this very thing, I think it's true. And you've got to get those kids. And the person I was talking to involved in BYU, involved, just leave it at that, but uh, saying that they believe that they could put out a really good football team almost not exclusively, but largely by just getting all the in-state talent. And it's not happening. Well, there's that's shifted a couple of ways. One, there's more in-state talent than there used to be. Exactly. No question. Way more. But Dozens also, more. a lot more than in-state talent is leaving the state. So what good does that do you if it's going to Oregon or USC or Stanford or wherever else? Not much. <laughs> but there are... There are the, I, I think that's the toughest job. I think we shouldn't underestimate how hard the military academies are. There have been limits on yeah, going to the NFL. Nobody has expe- expectations on that. Fister DeBerry said for years that the commander's chief trophy. So two games. When's the last Army, Air Force Army, coach who got fired? No, but Air Force largely wins. Now, they don't win every year, and they don't win like they did under Fisher DeBerry. 
you know, they, they, they have their peak year. It's eight wins, and I think Fisher had more nine and ten, and they're playing more games now, so there's more four and five lost seasons for sure. People understand that those institutions that it really isn't about football. I think they get the Air Force and Navy win enough. Army doesn't, and people get fired oh, there. Army's better now. They're better now. They are. Probably learned some lessons by looking but at how Air Force and Navy But they're not playing seven, eight, five schools. And that part's true. They're not. And then BYU won't every year. I think this is one of their schedules. has got more Power 5 teams. There's, there's a year out there. I think it's 2024 when BYU, and they still got two open games so this can change, but they've only got two Power Fives on oh, the schedule. Yeah, but actually they'll have eight because they'll be in a conference. Now. Yeah! Mark my words. <laughs> uh, you, go, you always go to the classics. Uh, 2024, they've got NC State, a trip back there, and they got the Utes and two open games. And other than that, they got a lot of G5 schools. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The question of the day. How much is it a sign of respect that the Jazz will play at home Christmas night against Dallas? Well, it's a sign of respect. I mean, 10 teams are going to play and 20 aren't. So you're one of the better teams in the league. But not a big surprise that coming off the number one seed... The Jazz are playing on Christmas. It's not a huge shock. It's not an automatic. Philly, well, was, Philly was number one in the East. Are they playing? I don't think they are. Christmas Day is now like bowl games. Yeah. Used to be a select few. Yeah, winners. it used to be a doubleheader, and now it's five games. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. So it doesn't have the same cachet that it used to because... There wasn't that many. But it's like bowl games. If you get left out of a bowl game, what the heck's wrong with you? It's not quite to that level because it's two-thirds of the league. And honestly, the Clippers aren't playing, and we know what's wrong with them. Kawhi Leonard's hurt. He's probably not going to be ready to go at that point. And Denver's not playing, and we know why. Jamal Murray's hurt. He's probably not going to be able to go at that point. And Philly and Portland aren't playing, and they could be, but they might have big trades between now and then. So... If Ben Simmons and or Damian Lillard might be on the move, it might be safer to go with somebody else. Lillard's not getting traded. I wouldn't think so either. You might as well just close up shop. You're not going to get anywhere near value unless he absolutely demands it. Uh, and Simmons. In, in today's world, if you can't shoot, what good are you? You better be Rudy Gobert. Right. And so the ball in his hands as much and... He won't even take a three-pointer. Forget about making one. Looked like he didn't want to take some layups because he was worried he was going to get fouled. Well, he had that one yeah, in the playoff game where he gave it off, I think, to Tobias Harris cutting to the basket when he was right underneath the bucket. Uh, so, yeah, we understand that. But I think, I think it's a bigger thing that this league, of all the leagues, I think the NBA is slanted because of just the sheer numbers, and there's not that many. You know, one or two players can make massive differences. So you don't need to have this incredible depth uh, and uh, pitching that is so very and very, very important. you got to have it. If you don't have it, you're screwed, uh, no matter how great your offense is. The Padres are seeing that right now, and their pitching has been taking a beating, and the guys have been, they've been hurt. Uh, with the NBA, 
with so few guys, it is one of the, I think it's as far as it's uh, predictability in terms of guys want to go to certain places and those few players can make such a massive difference. So of all the leagues to win, I think it's the hardest. Even though if you just get one or two players, you're set and you're good to go. The, the Jazz of the Statues for 20 years, basically, and they were competitive every single year. So it's sort of speaking out of both sides of your mouth because you only need a couple of players. The Jazz got a couple of all-stars, so they'll be competitive. But to try to make that next step is so dang hard because a couple of players here and there plus the injury to one or two of those guys, man. And if you don't have the top two or three guys, you know, for all the stuff with the Bucks, and they benefited from injury, but nevertheless, they still had, what, the third best player in the league? And the, and the two best, if you want to go LeBron and Durant, weren't playing, so he became the best active player, and they still needed him to score 50 points to win the game. Yeah. So it's hard to win. But it's hard to win everywhere. You got a 1-30 in 30 shot. So, of course, it's going to be hard. But I think in, in this particular league, because of guys can influence where they go and then inf- not just That's that, problem, they can yeah. dictate where they go and then influence the best players. who else goes there. The best players can do that. And you don't, do. You're not I mean, getting that in baseball and basketball right? or football, are you? I thought we were about to get into football with a number of quarterbacks who were complaining, and then literally none of them moved. Seattle solved their problem with Russell Wilson. Apparently, Green Bay and Rodgers at least kicked the can down the road another year. And he's not getting guys. Guys may want to come, but if you get oh, you get a top flight receiver. All right, good. But whoop to do. Yeah, you need more guys. I, I mean, the Cardinals got Hopkins, and I can argue he's the best receiver in the league. Made that phenomenal play. Who was it against Buffalo last year? And it was probably the most... One of the most spectacular Hail Marys you'll ever see. And they didn't make the playoffs. Right? So you can bring along one or two guys, but you need 15 or 20. And that's not going to happen. And in baseball, you... This is... The, so what? Got, guys don't team up with guys. And we've seen it multiple times in basketball where they do team up with guys. And they make a significant difference. But... Even with that, you can still overcome it. I love my metaphor for life that I said earlier. It was beautiful. It was poetic. If they had a broadcast award, I should win it. They do, and you can. Go ahead and enter. Enter? I don't know. They come for me. I don't <laughs> know. <if> that's, <laughs> that's not how it works. Then, well, then I ain't winning nothing. Clearly. I ain't entering nothing. My great tell people what the metaphor for was for the 9 o'clock listener who just showed up? I believe unless you are born into money or somehow come into money, if you want to improve your situation, look, and I look in the mirror every day. I don't necessarily like what I see, but I look in the mirror every day. And I came from college, no college graduates, high school dropout, mom pregnant in high school, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I would say lower middle class. Um, they managed their money, what little they had. But I made it. And my sister made it, and we made it through education. And I realized I may have had, I don't think I had a difficult road. I, I had to overcome some stuff. I had to f- foot my own bill. 
And there's many, many hundreds of thousands and millions of people who have it way worse than me. But if they could somehow, whether it's go to junior college or a tech school, trade school, whatever, I believe you can make your life much better through education. So it's sort of like the NBA with the Jazz. It's much harder to win in Salt Lake than it is in these other places. Because the facts are LeBron and his buddies aren't coming here. But nevertheless, they still had the best record. So there's still a shot if you stay the course and have a plan and stick with it, no matter how difficult it is, you too can make it. And the Jazz are in the process of making it. And I believe someday, I don't know when, I hope it's 22, of June of 22, but I believe sometime they're going to win the title. And it's going to be the ultimate suite for all you hundreds of thousands of diehard jazz, jazz fans who love this team practically as much as you love your kid. And we see it, the old ladies in the uh, obituaries, lifelong jazz fan. You were telling me somebody, somebody sent you a story. Us. Yeah, come to yeah. a story. And because a lady who's basically housebound, housebound loves the jazz and just looks forward to it. And those people out there, when the time comes, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be like, who was it? Was it the Red Sox or the Cubs? I think it was Boston, where people went to the cemetery to share when, or maybe it was the Cubs, it was the Cubs. They went to the cemetery to share with their deceased parents when the Cubs won, was it three or four years ago, when they beat Cleveland? And finally, first time in, was it over 100 years, 120 years? I don't know, whatever I thought it was. it was 2016. Maybe it was 2015, but I think it was 2016. So it would have been like 100 and... Eight years, 108 years, yeah, because yeah. it was 1908. And how it was so, so cool. I can remember them in the playoffs watching when they were on the verge of going to the World Series. And John Cusack, that actor, mm-hmm. was in the, in the crowd just... I mean, he was like crying. Yeah, <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't believe it, and that's what it's going to be here, because they're doing what they need to do, and they're doing stuff that is right, and eventually they're going to be rewarded. I firmly believe that. Dwayne Wade is going to be kissing the trophy. But you were hating. You. <laughs> <laughs> but you. But you were hating the Lakers and the Nets. You took it as a sign that the league wanted them to win. I think they do want him to win. Do you think that's outrageous? That's an outlandish statement? But that's not why they're playing on Christmas night. I think it I is. Mean, they're, they're I think loosely, it is. They're loosely linked. Because they got popularity. Well, the problem with this I don't league, think the Nets matter that much. I think the Lakers matter a lot. Yeah, but the Nets... Durant's not bad because he's very... The Nets you, are not the Clippers. They're close. I don't think they are. I think it's cool to go to the Barkley Center and say you're, you're a Nets fan... And all that. It's still not the Knicks, and I get it. The Knicks would be bigger. Yes. But I think that the Knicks. But the thing is that. The Nets haven't been a laughing stock like the Clippers had been. But Durant's a lightning rod. And I think that's the biggest thing because. Yes, when you have the negative lightning rod? How did you mean that? Uh, it's probably more. I would think more people would watch to root against Durant than root for him. Not now. 
Not now. But a lot of people will watch Drew for him. Oh, yeah, but there's been all the stuff on social media. Oh, they think so he's petty. What? And no, he went to he the went, Warriors, he, he, and people no, resent him for that. He and are hold won a grudge. the U.S. and Olympic gold. Absolutely, yeah. And he and wrapped himself in the flag. And they wouldn't have done it In a league that took a ton of negative publicity about all that stuff. Yep. Durant right now is a national basketball hero. So he generates emotion, both positive and negative. I don't think it's much negative anymore. That's what I'm saying. I think there's quite a bit. But I don't. But either way, that gets people to watch because people will watch to root against you. Not everybody watching LeBron is rooting for LeBron. They're watching. They're rooting against him. Yeah, but I don't think Durant is in near the category. Completely agree. He, he, That's he, why I said Durant the Lakers did put out a tweet that he when he leaves his I house agree. every day he's haunted. I he's agree. freaking LeBron James. I agree. 100%. Who's haunting LeBron James? There is n- autograph. Right. Uh, there Adorers is, and worshippers. That's why I said the Lakers are more important because the Lakers are bigger than the Nets. Yeah. And okay. LeBron is bigger than Durant. The league wants the Knicks, but they know full well they're not going to get the Knicks. Right. So the, the Nets are the next best thing. Yeah, agreed. And but this is Lakers a league that conspir- conspiracy people think is fixed. I think it's a bunch of crap. If it's not fixed. If they're fixing it, they're doing a terrible job of it. Yeah, but that's why they see that's why they're trying to do it because they're smart and they fix it in an underhanded way. (laughs) Well, in 50 years, man, get the Knicks one title. I mean, if you're fixing it, what are you doing? Get the Knicks. Yeah, but one. see, that's 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 your go-to me, move. If that's somebody's a, see, it's it. not fixed. If they're underhandedly fixing it. fixing it. If somebody's fixing it, will you bring them to me so they're I can laugh at them? They're connivingly fixing I it laugh to fool them. guys like you. I want to laugh and mock them. That's how shrewd they are. No. <laughs> No. They're fixing it, but guys like times. you. San Antonio won five times and the Knicks didn't win any and you're fixing it. Good job, guys. See? You're knocking it out of They've the park. They've sucked you in. That's my <laughs> By point. By not doing it. No, I agree with you, but some people think that that's the way it is. They think it's fixed. They think the calls are bogus and on and on and on. But I think and it's orchestrated. Stuff- it's almost like a step above wrestling. If that, <laughs> I think that's ridiculous. I think it's done, it doesn't quite. And and Tim Don, Donaghy or whatever his name was, I yeah. get it. He was. I agree with Stern on that one. He was the rogue guy. I don't believe they're doing it. I believe there's star treatment and all that other stuff that go with it. Yeah. And a foul on the first is not a foul on the right. fourth. I believe all that stuff. Do you believe the league knows which refs have beefs with which players or which mm-hmm. coaches and assigns them to lengthen series? Because I've had NBA people say, all you people in the media are missing that. That's where the money is. In, you can't get enough rating points to make the money you can make simply by having a four-game series go five or a five-game series go six. And a guy told me, he says, when it gets to two or three, one, it's amazing how the coach or the star player, the ref who hates him the most is the one that shows up. And they'll tell you it's luck, but oh. Let's <laughs> see, I'm of the influence that I don't believe refs control outcomes. They so, don't control outcomes. It's so all probability. I have to stay consistent yeah. to my belief. Even it's, if I'm wrong, at least I'm consistent. But it's all, it's all probability. They don't control it. Do they influence it? Sure, the list of coaches who've come through this well, building that we're bogus. sitting in then it's and bogus. stocked on Malone era and said, you're not going to get a call here. You are not getting a call here. That goes back to your point that refs are influenced by the crowd. Right, but that, and that's always been. Right. That, so but the do, league doesn't control that. The crowd controls that and equality of the right. team. The league is just a, so basically an innocent have, bystander there. But the, but the Jazz never go 41-0 and at home. I mean, once no, I think they no. went 39-2. and But mostly they lose 7 to 12 games a year. Of course. It's shooting. Right. Shooting is unpredictable. Yes. 
And so it's all probability and percentages and odds. There's no control. I don't buy any because I don't influence. pay attention to the referees. And I'm not going to. That, the, I view the NBA as entertainment. It's why what they did last summer and all that stuff, it just rolled off my back because they're not going to ruin my entertainment. It doesn't, it doesn't I don't stick, care. It doesn't stick to football. And we don't have the NFL here, so I don't talk to as many people. But you talk to college coaches, and it's not the calls that kill you. It's the no calls. And those coaches complain the same way about going places. Lots of coaches have hated going to Hawaii. One coach laughed. There's always a holding penalty when you need one to kill a drive. Not to kill a drive, and, but to impair a drive. And every coach who complained to you mm-hmm. complained after a loss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like the NBA. But it doesn't stick to football the same way. It sticks a little bit to baseball with the umpires and the balls and strikes. That's but been watered down the with the replays. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's just life. Obstacles are going to be put in front of your place, and, and you're just going to have to overcome them. You can sit there and whine about it or go to work. And you're going to get bad calls, and you're going to have injuries, and all these things you're going to have that are going to get in your way. And you're going to be small market. Well, I don't see Justin Zanuck saying, oh, we're small market, so what the hell's the point, man? <laughs> no. no. No, you don't say it when you're in the middle of it. Well, I don't think because he says it at all. Yeah. I don't think he ever I don't even, it, it doesn't even enter his mind. No. It never enters his no. mind. Not as, it enters his mind when possibly. When someone else brings it up. It enters his mind as, but when it enters his, enters his mind, he says, all right, well, I got to work twice as hard. So I think it's not an excuse for not I winning. I think it's what you say, that there's personal pride, there's careers, follow the money, no one wants to let go, so how do you make your team the best it can be? And I believe and they I think, think they, they can do it. I think that many NBA front offices are obsessing about that. Now, they may make poor decisions, and they may miss, and everybody does. Jerry West misses, and you probably miss too, because West has <laughs> just an unparalleled run. I don't think Ryan Smith bought this team with the idea of we can't do it. No. Not somebody who created something in, what, in their basement and Out whatever of nothing, it was. With the dad, the brother, and one of yeah, the friends. Whatever friend. the yeah. story is. Right. So and if you can beat those odds and pull that off, then try to beat these odds and pull this off. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. And these people yeah. are winners uh, financially. But I think that's what most owners are. Exactly. So and so most they th- owners are thinking it, and so most GMs are thinking it, and most coaches are thinking it, because they know what their owners think. And they have to go about it the right way. Just because you made it in business A doesn't mean you're going to make it in business B. Well, we got a lot of examples of that. Yeah. Dan Snyder's rolling in money, but that Washington football team just can't get out of their own way. The pigskins. It's not going to happen. I wish you were right. It would be great, but it's not going to (laughs) happen. If they'd only listen to me. Can you imagine how many problems I would have solved? Oh, my gosh. The world would be a better place. It would. We would love one another as I have loved you, DJ. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) We better go to break. All right, when we come back... I set the example in the DJ and PK room. When we come back, we've got two segments left. You know we're going to get you up to speed on everything happening in the show. And we get the feedback coming up. And we got feedback from somebody who's seen the same headline you, you see. And he's got, a, he's got a conspiratorial bet to this tweet. Honestly, I kind of like it. I think it's probably not true, but I couldn't 100% roll it, rule it out. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. 
Craig Bowlerjack. What do you think about the Jazz offseason? I think it comes down to you have to stay healthy first and foremost. Bench always plays a major factor. It's like in football, your ones and twos and threes, as the coordinators always talk about. How deep are you and how versatile are you? And I think that's where Quinn Snyder will have is more options. I know he took a beating in social media about, gosh, make a move in the small ball. Well, there really wasn't much to go to, and the Clippers really knew they had the Jazz. But I just think the Jazz have more options now that Quinn can go small if he wants. He can go big if he wants. He can go guard heavy if he wants, which is something I don't know if he's ever had since he's been here. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The John Watson Chevrolet High School Player of the Week Award is presented weekly to the top prep football players in northern Utah. This week's winner is Northridge High School quarterback Maximus Finodi Makui. Finodi Makui powered the Knights to a 64-0 shutout of Taylorsville in their season opener last Friday. Ran for two touchdowns, threw for a third, and caught a touchdown pass as well totaling 267 yards passing in the game. Stop by John Watson Chevrolet, 3535 Wall Avenue in Ogden, or check them out online at johnwatsonchevrolet.com. All right, PK, time to catch people up to date on what is going on in the world. Of sports. Of sports, yes. (laughs) In the world! The stock market today. So, Nebraska... They might have been cheating, PK. Yeah. What is cheating? Well, tell the folks what you heard, because this would be uh, similar to what's going on with ASU. Unauthorized uh, workouts. I was told by somebody in the know that, yes, that's clear, obviously, ASU did it because they wouldn't have uh, suspended three coaches. Full-time assistant coaches in training camp. If there wasn't something there, so they've basically admitted it. Uh, but that it, it it's widespread. Uh, the thing that separated the the Sun Devils, the the backstory is Herm fired a number of guys on the coaching staff, and a couple of guys, at least one, thought he might be in line for job. Antonio Pierce. The D coordinator, former NFL player, wanted the three young guys, I think they were all in their 20s, because he wanted to recruit because they realized that, maybe they didn't realize, they already knew it, but you can be the greatest coach in the world, but if you don't have the horses, you're not winning. So they went and did these things for recruiting, and they were willing to break rules and all this stuff because they were going to be one one was a grad assistant a 26 year old and now he's going to be a full-time head coach while his be- pay is going to go through the roof compared to what he was getting even if he's you know a hundred thousand dollars which is on the low end but it was more than that just use as an example he's making ten thousand as a grad assistant and now he's going to get a hundred thousand i'm just p- pulling out numbers so they were willing to bend the rules and that these people who were discarded from the program had all this evidence and turned state evidence on the Sun Devils. Other people, they don't have, like Nebraska and a bunch of other programs, they don't have anybody turning them in, and they didn't do it as flagrantly and as blatant. But I was told by somebody in the business that it is it was widespread. They did not. Very few programs stopped recruiting during the pandemic. 
So the AP Top 25 account says the NCAA has been reportedly investigating Nebraska coach Scott Frost and his program for several suspected violations, including analysts working in improper roles during games. Duh! <laughs> and practices and unauthorized off-campus workouts. Yes. And the Jazzy Ute, local fan who tweets a lot about Utah on the Jazz, says, LOL, it wouldn't surprise me if Nebraska initiated this to justify firing Frost for cause. I think he's got one more year before it gets to that point, and that's a little conspiratorial. No, I don't. I don't. But I wouldn't that. completely rule it out. I, I just think that 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 stuff asking these people to stop recruiting for six months or whatever no. not realistic. Just not. It's too much at stake. Yes. And I don't. Ex- I didn't expect them to. And especially when you hear, because everybody knows people that they used to work with, and everybody hears somebody else is kind. Con- or you talk to a kid, and the kid says, "Hey, I just heard from so and so," because kids will tell you what's going on because. They're 16 and 17. What do they know or care? So it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And how flagrant. You know, having multiple kids on campus, that might be a step further than other schools. Well, the Devils reportedly uh, paid for them to come, which, I mean, they paid you for you to come on a regular campus visit. And these kids, they willingly came. Uh, so I, I, I actually, what, what I've been hearing is, uh, devils are okay on the field this season. And maybe that at the hermit 68 says, yeah, I got the program in a good spot, you know? And then he walks. Yeah. Good night, everybody. And then they start over. Uh, but and that, that's a theory. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to mm-hmm. happen, but I've heard that. Uh, what about know. taking the hit on a couple of scholarships and then everything goes on? Yeah, any number of things. Yeah. Or you just keep fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. Term really does walk at 70 or 71 anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. And the NCA is getting less powerful. And, and yeah, I it'll be interesting to see where this constitutional convention goes. It feels right. like a big retreat. We're going to change a bunch of rules and it's just going to be semi-pro football. Go at it, guys. And the truth is you're dealing with Arizona State, which is not a power broker anyway. So why does anyone need them brought down a peg if they're not going to beat anybody right, anyway? Right. I mean, they'll beat some teams. They do. But but you've been saying 500-ish forever, and if they yeah. win eight, then that just means there's probably a five and seven coming around the corner. Yeah. On the Nebraska front, the official statement from AD Trev Alberts, quote, the University of Nebraska Athletic Department has been working collaboratively with the NCAA to review a matter concerning our football program. We appreciate the dialogue we have had with the NCAA and cannot comment further on specifics of yeah, this matter. So they admit it. He did it. I, I just don't think that if he's won enough, he'll keep his job. If he hasn't won enough, he won't. And well, I don't think this has anything yeah. to do with he it. Hasn't, he hasn't won enough. And Trev, Trev Alberts is a new AD. From the glory days at Nebraska. Well, so is Scott Frost. Yeah, Scott's now what, year three or four? Has he done three and he's going into four, I think? I don't know. I don't follow Nebraska that close. All right, other other stuff to to pass along. The Jazz are playing on Christmas Day. Ten teams play, 20 teams sit and watch. You're in the upper echelon for the second time in three years. Well, that's good. They're playing on Christmas Day and they'll be playing on Father's Day. Ooh. Finals. Mark my words. Finals. Hello. <laughs> uh, the rest of the Christmas Day lineup, Hawks and Knicks. You can see that, the playoff rematch. Celtics and Bucks, Glamour franchise and the defending champs. 
Warriors and Suns, Nets and Lakers. And then the Jazz wrap it up against the Mavericks. So the teams that aren't playing, uh, that maybe have a little, uh, a little bit of a rep, a little bit of sizzle, Miami's not playing, and Denver and the Clippers aren't playing. Denver and the Clippers have key players with injuries. And they're probably happy they're not playing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Take that off. And I love the fact that uh, it's an 8.30 start on a Saturday night. Way better than on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Sunday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Don't have to get up and do radio. I don't. No. So I'm not doing radio on Sunday. Ah, but will I be doing TV that Sunday? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> 50-50, don't know what to tell you. Yeah, so. You're welcome, Elena. We'll see. I'll have to pay a fee for borrowing your copyrighted trademark. Speaking of fee, yeah. Yeah! Dog don't come cheap. Neither does Kayvon Thibodeau. Oregon defensive end, potential number one pick in the next NFL draft. He's got a marketing deal with United Airlines. Apparently he'll be promoting direct flights from UG Oregon to select Ducks away games this season. Including... Ohio State on September 11. Maybe Utah in November. Have to see how big that game is. How many people want to fly out? I think it'll be big. They probably ought to be doing flights out of Portland too, right? Or they already got enough out of Portland. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's be my thought. Add a couple. He's a top five player. He's a massive difference maker in the NFL. Number one thing you want is a quarterback, and the number two thing you want is someone to get to the other team's quarterback. So the disruptive defensive end is a big, big deal. He's a superstar. Tim Tebow, that tight end experiment is over, weighed by the Jaguars. That didn't surprise me at all. I can't imagine you expected it to go anywhere either. Switching positions in your 30s in the NFL after years out of the league. Uh, yeah, Tim, uh, you tried it and it didn't work, so what? It's better to have failed and tried than to not have tried at all. I don't know, some fancy saying out there somewhere. Seahawks gave Jamal Adams four years and $72 million, and he finally took it after his mom texted him. She said my full name. And when my mother says my full name, I think I need to pay attention. Take the money, son. What are you doing? My mother never said my full name. Patrick Anthony Kennedy. It's Kennehan, isn't it? Kennehan. Kennedy. I got into the Kennedys. <laughs> you would have come for money. I thought you would know my name after all this time. Yeah, usually I would. But I, I think I want to be called Deuce from now on. <laughs> Deuce Kinahan. Yeah. I mean, CP3, I'm a junior. <laughs> I want to be called Deuce. Deuce! Yeah. Why do I just call you Junior? Ah, that's more like a Polynesian nickname. Well, Reno Mahe was Junior Mahe. Or they just call you Junior. Yes, they do call you Junior. Uh, so I don't want to steal from that culture. DJ and Deuce. <laughs> It'd work. Now, I saw on Facebook. You want to try it out tomorrow? A Facebook guy called me the other day. I flicked on. He called me something that's close to Deuce. <laughs> and I thought, really, after all these years, I thought we've gotten past that. Because all my detractors, and there were hundreds of thousands of them in the beginning. Millions even. They would come after me, and I'd say, I got the job, and I and you don't. I get why you'd be jealous, but I think they've accepted that I'm a hit and I'm great, and so they've just kind of moved on. No point in complaining now. It, nothing's going to change. I'm an established superstar. 
You got some music for this, Yach? I'm one of the best. Maybe battle him in the Republic. I, I, I think I should be, and I think I actually think it's clear and concise. I'm the GOAT. <laughs> so people don't normally criticize me anymore. Jerry Rice, Tom Brady. They may criticize a take. Deuce Kinahan. But not like, well, if I criticize them enough, they'll fire them. I'm giving up on that. Yeah, most folks away. have realized that's not happening. Yeah, they've gone away. Yeah. Give it up. Me and Al Michaels are the two greatest ASU grads in broadcasting. Move over, Al. Yeah. Speaking of moving over, the Nevada Wolfpack are moving over from Reno to Palo Alto. They've moved their training camp to Stanford because of air quality issues in Reno. Wildfires in neighboring California. So the Wolfpack are going to practice at Stanford for the rest of the week, plan to have a scrimmage, and then return to campus. Is California good for anything anymore? Fires. Big, they just create all sorts fires. of issues. All those freaking people from California moving in and corrupting and polluting my state. Those people. Get out. Go back. The hypocrisy is thick with this one. I hate you people. And now your fires? When we come back, PK has fired someone up, and he will explain why. Your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Time for your feedback. Greg says, PK's inspiring jazz testimony meeting. That talk has me pumped up. Just hope it happens before my expiration date. Not sure my kids will show up at my marker to celebrate. Uh, I wouldn't be too sure about that, though. I don't know how old Greg is, and if they see, if his children see, you know, how young his kids are. His kids aren't, they don't think about death. But then when you get in your 40s and 50s, if you're fortunate enough to have your parents alive, you see things a little bit differently. So I wouldn't necessarily rule that out, especially if they do it and they see how hardcore you were of a fan. See how if his kids are local. And if it bonded you. And how long it will take for the Jazz to pull this off and win it all. They will win it at some point. It will. It'll get done. We got more people weighing in on the question of the day, which how much is it a sign of respect that Jazz will play at home Christmas night against Dallas? Uh, it's a sign they'll be one of the top teams in the league, Troy says. Do we need a sign? Coming off the best record in the NBA, shouldn't you be one of the top teams in the league? NBA teams don't usually fall apart that fast unless they're gutted by injuries. I mean, the Warriors went through that eventually. Well, also, too, you got a home game. I think that's a, another step as opposed to a road game. A road game on Christmas I don't think would be fun. But a home game, particularly at 830 at night, and then these players are younger with the younger kids, well, they'll probably be asleep by the time you uh, start playing. So you could certainly have Christmas morning and doing what you need to do at home as opposed to if you're on the road. Obviously, you couldn't have, do, have done that. So that's another sign of respect that it's a home game. They trust you to fill the arena because they want a good studio audience for television. Oh, it'll be packed, yeah, as long as the uh, yeah. the rules allow it and we're in the situation where it can happen. Yeah, whatever the sellout, 18,000-something or other, whatever it is now, it'll be. For sure it'll be. 
Josh says, so the NBA has much love for Utah on Christmas, but when the postseason rolls around, the Jazz are treated like the redheaded stepchild. How is that? Uh, I think he means they don't get calls and they get eliminated. I don't think calls eliminated them. No, I don't think it was because the free throws were the reason they gave up 81 points in the second half of Game 6. No, I had blotted that out of my memory, but you returned it. You're welcome. No, I hate you. Matt says the NBA just wants Luka on. The Jazz just happened to be the one available. Then they would have made it a home game. And brought in somebody else. Could have brought in Memphis. Well, Dallas could have had a home game. Sean says, stop with the bleep. We aren't respected and treated fairly. Don't pick at the All-Star break and expect me to take you serious when you haven't done a damn thing in 43 years. (laughs) Sean. Well, if winning it all is the definition of damn thing, I can't argue. Yeah, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. And I think his language, a damn thing. And there are multiple things you can do. Obviously, well, they have the championship is the big one. Well, that's the only thing missing. Now, that's the most significant. Win. I get it. 61 seasons, dramatic playoff oh, wins, all-stars Olympians, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I guess the good thing with this is the Nets and the Lakers, yes, they're big markets. And yes, they've signed their stars through free agency. And yes, that path is not available to most teams in the NBA, including the Jazz. It's available to a select few. And they are the two favorites, but they were the favorites a year ago, and one went out in the first round and one went out in the second. But they made their team significantly better this year. Well, they've certainly changed it. I think Dwayne Wade should get... Dan Marino on board as a co-owner because we need more of a Miami influence the Jazz are Dan Marino everything but see where you're going Hall of Fame tons of records big playoff games great player throws yeah Yeah. all-star all-pro guy before being Hall of Fame guy so you're right Marino did it all records Marino did it all except to win it all yeah and that's what this franchise has done. And they did it, and they do it, by and large, the right way. So, yeah, they're, they're the... Get Dan Marino in here. Somebody should get... I was going to golf with Dwayne today, but the weather is going to... I can't. <laughs> so I could have ah, told darn. him. Yeah, he had, he had set it up. Today was the day. He said he had August 18th available, and I said, well, by luck, so do I. <laughs> You're very busy. Can we reschedule for <laughs> August this one 19th? random hole in your schedule? You weren't doing anything. Yeah, it just so happened, both of us, we looked at our calendars, we worked through it, and today was the day we were going to play, but now yep. Mother Nature yeah, nothing, said, no, you know, nothing to do. crazy watch. Mormons, as Reno Mahe said, prayed for rain, and lo and behold, we got rain. Lo and behold, Delta flooded and school has been canceled. Could you all pay for, pray for me to get more money? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> PK I wants pray to for that every day for myself. PK wants to win the lottery. He doesn't play. We don't have a lottery here. Yeah, you've been in Arizona. You could pick up a mm, ticket. Drive up to I have never paid one cent on for a lottery. lottery. Yeah, but my family gives out lottery tickets for gifts. Oh yeah, yeah. So you scratch them off or whatever. I think yeah, okay. Pest and meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with your free time now that you're not golfing with Dwayne Wade because of the weather, which would have come as news to Dwayne. The golf, not the weather. Uh, tell people where to go on YouTube, YouTube tonight if they got some time to kill. 
Oh, there's this young band. They're out of Canada, and they're a cover band. Their young teens is called Leave Those Kids Alone. It's a Pink Floyd, obviously, a line. And I'm telling you, this band, they are really, really good. The drummer's a gal. She can't be like, she looks like 12 years old. And the boys, baby 15, 16, they, I, I'm telling you, they are really, really good. I saw it on Facebook, and I clicked on it, Leave Those Kids Alone. I, they do all sorts of classic rock stuff. As, and they nail it. Yes. Really, right. really impressive. You've got your homework, people. I will be doing my homework today. You do your homework, and we will return and gather here tomorrow morning, 6 to 10 a.m. Yak, you got a Hall of Famer for a guest tomorrow? We do. Do you? No. You have your homework, Yak. Find me a spare Hall of Famer. A who Hall of Famer? Spare Hall of Famer. Just an oh, extra spare. One. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't know. One lying around. Hall of Famer over there. Hall of Famer over there. I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just making stuff up. That's why you don't know. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Good. And I'm giving everybody homework. I'm giving him the toughest assignment, the one that'll make us look good. Okay. Remember that time he was off and the guy who filled in got Oscar Robertson? Spare oh, Hall of Famer. Okay, I see where you're going. Spare yeah, Hall yeah, of yeah. Famer. We're and having then, on today. We're having then, Oscar Robertson on. No, no, the no. Big O. No, he. That was pre pre It, it was actually. in the break. We got Oscar Robertson coming up next. <laughs> it wasn't like in the morning when we first showed up. It was, hey, we got Oscar Robertson coming up next. What? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Who? <laughs> the Big O? Yeah, it was fun to talk to. Cincinnati? Oscar Robertson, a legend. Legend. Big time. All right. Coming up next, Hans and Scotty, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.